Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Happy Monday night to everybody. Matt, we're on episode 150, and we say this a lot when we hit these random milestones, but man, you and I started the show during COVID as kind of a fun thing to do, and it has blown up, I think, well beyond what we ever thought it would. But anyways, we've reached 150 episodes, most of them being on Monday nights, or I think we used to do Thursday nights. We've done a couple random Tuesday nights in there. But once again, this episode is presented by Cosmic DG. Go check out all of your Cosmic needs over at CosmicDG.com. They have some really awesome things, and I think this will actually be very beneficial after the PDGA announcement today for tournament directors of the potential new D-tiers, if that is actually going to become a thing. Uh, learn how to get paid being a tournament director through CosmicTG.com, and they'll set you up. Matt, how are we doing? Am I even... Oh, no. Am I, I muted, or is Matt uh, muted? I don't Matt, hear are you Matt. Muted? Can, does, uh, does the chat hear me? Just making sure. Everybody in the chat, type right. yes. Matt's giving us me. a second. Well, hey, Nick, if you're mentioning PDGA rules, I think... Yeah. It's July 31st. If you're listening to this live or very shortly after post-produce, PDGA Board of Directors voting is live until 11.59 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, As of recording right now, that's under five hours away. Uh, Last the PDGA put out, I think they're at 13% voter turnout uh, for active members. Of course, there's a lot of people involved in that. Uh, you have, you know, uh, memberships for kids and dogs and whatnot, but still, mm-hmm. 13% uh, is is fairly low, even for you know any kind of voter turnout. So, uh, if you have not voted yet and you're listening to this before that deadline, uh, go up and pull the email up. It got sent to you, and do whatever you have to do to remember to do it right after the show ends. This is one of those moments, once again in life, where if you complain about something with the PDGA, if you want to see something changed, if you don't like how something is going, now is your time to vote. This is the biggest thing that we can do as members of the PDGA is actually vote on the changes that we want to see, and this is your chance. So like Evan just said, after the show, go ahead and vote. But... um. Yeah. Hey, Matt's back. Matt, everyone was saying they purposely muted you and it turned into the Nick and Evan show. Again. But sorry, everybody. Matt is able to speak. That was a, a, <laughs> a hey, that was only like a minute flat. We were running around in the studio down here. Me and me and Ben just doing like this weird dance with arm and arm. And then it started working. Nice. <laughs> so I don't know if you mentioned this because I had my headphones off for a minute, but we did a 48 hour giveaway, YouTube subscriber giveaway last week. W. 48 hours we said following the show we were going to start 48 hour timer anyone who subscribed in there had a chance of winning two discs and some swag uh we did end up having it at 20 hours the subscriber uh let me find it here i just said it a minute ago to you guys it is this is the way the youtube subscriber name is alan shorter like the opposite of taller shorter so alan shorter um you win and we don't know how to i don't know how to contact their youtube so they better be listening they subscribed reach out to us through instagram through facebook through email at uh the nick and matt dg show at gmail.com and tell us who you are 
we're going to have everyone, I'm Alan Short, or everyone's, I'm Alan yeah, Short. Exactly. So we're going to have to figure out how to prove that, maybe a screenshot or something. Take but, a picture of your YouTube account, your credit card, <laughs> just kidding. Um, All right. Your social security number, just kidding. But hey, congratulations, Alan. That is one of the giveaways, Matt. That yeah. is one of the giveaways. Let's talk about really quick the massive giveaway that we are doing in collaboration with the Maple Hill, or excuse me, the MVP Open at Maple Hill presented by OTB Discs, I think is actually what it is. Um, Steve Dodge came on our show a few weeks ago and talked about this massive giveaway for some gold VIP passes that they have. And we are giving away two sets of them. It's valued at, what do we say, $1,100 a piece? So $2,200 giveaway. It's going to be for you and a friend or family member or whatever, but yeah. And you get one of those elite parking spots which is at hole one's like parking area where they're not letting the pros park. They're not letting regular people park only the elite. And that's just one of the things uh, that's a bonus there, including all the amenities on the course, as well as every evening uh, or day having something to do, including we added into that an appearance in the studio for a live recording. If you'd like to the Monday before. So there's a lot of value there. We're giving it away to somebody who is a subscriber and has really gone out of their way to tag us in social media everywhere. We've been getting bombarded in a nice way. And uh, as soon as we hit that 10,000, we're giving it away. So we're pretty close. There's 200 left. Do whatever it takes to get that to that mark. We know we would hit it before at some point, but this is just getting us there a little earlier so we can do the giveaway for this event. We're still about six weeks out from the event. So this is plenty of time, but this next week, would be fantastic uh, to hit that number this week. Let's do it. And to help do that, we're restarting the 48-hour giveaway. So once again, any subscribers in the next 48 hours have a chance. That's not, it could be 200 of you, or it could be less. Mm-hmm. Odds are saying it might be less than that in the next 48 hours. So there's a one in who knows how many chance you could win something. So subscribe now. 48-hour uh, giveaway begins at the end of the show. Well, no, we'll, we'll start now. But no, the yeah, no, all right, we'll start now. <laughs> Seven o'clock. That way people subscribe. Okay. Perfect. We got all that out of the way. Uh, sorry about all these giveaways. I hope people don't mind, but we're taking up time to tell you about giveaways. We have a lot going on. Uh, Andrew Presnell joining in just a few minutes here, 12 minutes. <laughs> and then we've got uh, Corey Ellis uh, joining. We know he did the podcast circuit this week, but we're hoping to capture a few things that maybe uh, went missed um, or not. And just hearing for our fans here to get to hear. Um, so with that being said, let's throw it over to Evan. Uh, Evan, I'm sorry I didn't get to introduce you earlier. My microphone wasn't working, but take it away. Ooh, look at this. Uh, well, I got to introduce myself earlier, okay. so that, that's okay. And hopefully people know, <laughs> know who I am by this point. Uh, we had a stellar weekend of a lot of different events. I'll start off with probably the one that people are most uh, familiar with, and that's the Mid-America Open. Happened to get the Harmony uh, Benz course in, I think it's Columbia, Missouri, or outside. Uh, Columbia is kind of the center of Missouri between St. Louis and Kansas City. Uh, that is the home state of Andrew Presnell, who took it down in MPO in a one-hole playoff. He went to a playoff with Gannon Burr, who's like the king of silver events. Uh, but Presnell takes him down. Uh, Owen Scoggins wins an FPO. Uh, she had a great comeback. We have to mention Alexis Mandujano shooting the uh, course record in round one. Uh I forget what the course record was beforehand. I think it was two down, maybe three down. Uh, she shot a nine down in no, round one. No, it was one down. It was surprising. It was and then everybody was blowing it away. That was a conversation I was thinking of for later. But anyways, yeah, she yeah. destroyed it. I, uh, Holland Hamley had a great round in round two. 
Uh, she was kind of in the mix, but not quite at the top. But uh, Owen Scoggins just steady, brings it back. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch it, but uh, it looked very exciting. And Owen gets her second silver win of her career. She won uh, the 2020 Goat Hill challenge if that's the correct name but the one go hill in san diego yep. excuse me there that was her first ever silver event she's played about a dozen in between and then gets another one uh then uh presnell gets his first victory of any kind he's the sixth mpo player this season to get a major elite or silver get their first excuse me major elite or silver event of their career we saw Coriolis do it just last week over in europe uh but prez gets it done here interesting enough presnell went i'm calling him presnell andrew prez he goes by a lot of names but uh, andrew presnell went over to europe uh there's a lot of players who went over a lot of americans and it was a full field but i don't think you heard about him too much he comes back and first event back gets a win he he ended up missing cash over in europe finished 59th he also missed cash at the other major this year it was a 53rd at champions cup uh so he was uh not the best major stint (laughs) but as ben was saying in our group chat uh he's like hey Prez is having a sneaky good season, man. Uh, man. And he has, and picks up a big win for himself. Uh, any, any thoughts? I'm in America before I swing it over to Europe. Um, Gannon Burr. I think there's a lot of thoughts about mid America missed the 20 footer and he made a post to, a few to hours push later. in the playoff. Yeah, push in the yeah, playoff. Right. Um, he did this weird and I, we know Gannon, he's a friend of the show, but he did this weird, in my opinion, kind of tippy toe a little bit in his social media post a few hours later, like, ah, like I missed, you know, I'm embarrassed. Um, people were walking on the green. So he starts to bring in a little bit of excuses why he missed fair. It's probably is partly why he missed, but it has this weird feel sometimes when you're like competitors, you want to tell why, but at the same time, you don't want to take anything away from Andrew Presnell. And so it's like, he, I think he did an okay job at just being transparent. Um, who needed this more for their career? I think we know that Andrew is benefiting largely from this, whereas Gannon, it would have stacked on. It would have been big. That's an interesting argument. Who would it be bigger for? But anyways. Yeah, I, yeah. I know Nick has something to say, but if Gannon won this one, he might be pushing the race. I, it's only a silver event. Right. But with Calvin not getting a win in a major, not winning since April, I think Gannon could have slid into that number one for player of the year spot. Even number one in the world, I mean, that's an that's an argument that we can have uh, for sure. But Nick, I, did, I didn't mean to cut you off. I know you got oh, thoughts good. on this. I, I mean, my thoughts, and besides the playoff, besides the actual play of it, is just once again, we had bad weather at this tournament, which caused massive delays throughout it. It caused the cut after two rounds. I know a lot of players were upset about that. Um, I, I, you know, it's tough. It, it's, you know, let's see. One of the um, things in round two was that holes one, two, three, and eighteen were unplayable. Mm-hmm. So they played a fourteen-hole second round, um, and then I think they technically started or finished the second round on the third day. Yeah, correct me but, if I'm wrong. Yeah, the top cards did. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, yeah, just kind of crazy. This is this is that tournament that I think it's the Almost main reason why time. it could never be an elite series yeah. event. Um, unfortunately excuse me unfortunately i wasn't able to watch much of the coverage this weekend i was playing a tournament of my own and um from what i've heard harmony benz is one of the most beautiful courses in the world um it's a john hauk designed course which usually when john hauk is designing a course it's a pretty pretty awesome course definitely it just quality. has the issue of the weather what seems like every single year and uh, like i said i think that's just what keeps it 
at a Silver Series event. And to be honest, I think after this has happened again, the Mid-America Open won't be a Silver Series event if it's played at Harmony Harmony Bend. Yeah. Many bends. I think it's how many bends? plural. Excuse me. I, I almost got it confused. Confused. My gosh, I can't speak right now. With Harmon Hills <laughs> out in Tennessee, where I just was this past weekend. Yeah. So, anyways, I wasn't at that course, but I was in Tennessee. Yeah, and just to clarify, it was a 14-hole layout just for MPO in round two. The uh, MPO started playing a full 18, but then there was a rain delay. So then after they realized one through three and hole 18 were unplayable, as you were saying. So they uh, cut it to a 14-hole round for MPO. It did go over to the next day for a lot of cards. Um, but Which is kind of nuts, too, because of hole 18 being as difficult as it is, um, yeah, especially it, with the kind of scoring separation that that hole does bring. Um, I think that was pretty... Hey, it sucks. It's just a crappy situation. Yeah, and, and iconical at that too. So you yes. you, uh, you you want to be able and hole one as well. Hole one's fantastic. And uh, Grant Zellner on the call even made the joke of when Burr and Andrew Presnell were playing through it again. They're like, "Hey, look, some MPO players do get to play it a third time uh, mm-hmm. because they didn't get to play it in round two. Uh, so getting to play it in rounds one, three, and the playoff uh, were cool. Uh, I do want to swing it over to Europe before we uh, bring in Prez. Uh, mm-hmm. At, we had the Åland Open, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's in uh, Finland, but it's in the Baltic Sea between Finland and Sweden. Uh, it's notably the island or collection of islands that have dozens of courses on it. It was a uh, Finland wanted to have a, kind of a tourist destination of disc golf. So it's very, very cool that it gets this kind of uh, heightened level. Uh, and so you have tons of courses there. They ended up having a uh, three-round tournament that started on Thursday, ended on Saturday. We saw a few notable names like uh, Eagle McMahon, uh, Nicholas Antala, uh, in MPO specifically. But we had a new name, Miro Raihanen take it down he is a young gun i think he's under 18 as i've heard some people say a teenager still at least um and he takes it down it's a uh, disc golf pro tour silver event point level uh it's a pdga euro tour event uh and so that's very cool for miro raihanen if i'm getting that right to get his first win but on the fpo side we have seen someone who's won many times this year in the euro tour uh silver saranen uh, gets her fourth Euro Tour victory of the year. She's only played four Euro Tour events in her career all this year, all wins. Uh, and she becomes only the second player, FPO player, to win four or more PDGA Euro Tours in a single season. The only other one being Kristen Tatar, who did it in 2019. So that is pretty good company. Uh, those courses, again, are a, a tourist destination, just like Harmony Benz. And the other one, Yarva in Sweden, that I want to get to real quick on the European Pro Tour. Uh, we saw uh, Luke Humphreys and Olivia Kynstedt take it down, if I'm pronouncing that Incredible. one right as well. Uh, I, I don't know much about Olivia Kynstedt uh, before this event, but I do have some stats about Luke Humphreys. This is PDGA win number 30 for him of his career, all divisions, all tiers. Uh, but he becomes the first U.S. player to win a European Pro Tour event. Uh, of course, I, I just mentioned the Euro Tour earlier. We've seen Americans win that uh, events on that tour before. I mean, notably Paul McBath, Bradley Williams, to name a few just this season. Uh, and the European Open is a major. It's not on the European Pro Tour. So it's just a specific tour. We have not yet seen an American winner uh, in its few years of his existence. Uh, and who would have guessed Luke Humphreys being the first one to take it down? Uh, so that's pretty cool. But before leaving that event and before any other thoughts, uh, the shot of the tournament over there has to be the one you've seen go all around social media is Kevin Jones had a grenade 
ace mm-hmm. um, on a hole. I think it was about 240 feet, something around that range. They display everything in meters. So here I'm trying to guess the conversion. Uh, but of course, with the grenade, goes over the top everything and goes straight into the bucket. That's uh, very crazy. cool to see. Very crazy. The fact that you could get a grenade to be that pinpoint, to go vertical into the basket you know not flying horizontally that's incredible and uh luke humphrey's taking it down i think i saw daniel in our chat say he surprises him sometimes dude luke surprises me every time he makes this is to your point daniel um i do not laugh at his form because my form is bad my form is bad i'll just put it that way but i laugh in some ways because it's so unique to how others are throwing i mean think of eric oakley and now luke humphreys has a unique kind of I don't know, whipping throw style, but, and then usually you see like, is it the Timberland boots and all that sometimes yeah. out there? So anyways, yeah, right. it's a huge congratulations to him. I'm picking on him uh, unfairly in some ways, but he beat KJ, Kevin Jones, and, and a lot of other good players. Wow. And that's a cool staff for him to have first. You said first American to take down a Euro tour. Is that what you said? Yes, that is wow. correct. I think prodigy disc or someone on the ground over the European pro tour had it first, uh, but was able to verify it not that it needed to necessarily be verified but very Mm -hmm. cool to see very cool absolutely is that it evan Uh, that's all i had for the recap i mean i I think it's really cool that we saw three destination courses all have a tour event in some capacity over the weekend uh i mean we could play a game of which one we would want to most play uh i think all of them nick would pay a hundred dollars for yarva i might pay (laughs) the old hundred dollars for harmony bends fair enough uh, someone else might pay a hundred dollars or to go to all three, but to get to yeah. go to, uh, the Island islands, uh, as well. Wow. So many cool things happening. We got a lot to talk about still, uh, including PDGA rules proposals. Um, we do have the interview with Andrew coming up next minute here. Um, and a lot of other things, but without further ado, let's go ahead and bring into the show. Andrew Presnell winner of the Mid-America Open, a disc golf pro tour silver event. And why you, know, you forgot to switch it. There he is. This is intern Ben leaving up Corey Ellis as the option. He'll be on later. So Corey. welcome to the show, Andrew. How are you doing, man? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. So you've been grinding for a while per all the sources and per all the media. You've been grinding, but like tell us. This story from your perspective, what made you decide to go on tour and what has it been like for the past, I think you said a seven years to get to this point where I think you called it your biggest career win? Yeah. So the moment I decided to go on tour, I was teaching at a high school for a couple of years. And uh, during a summer break, I decided I was going to tour for uh, the summer and just see how it went. And if it went well, I was going to just dedicate myself to disc golf and quit teaching. And I felt like it went pretty well. And so at the, uh, the end of the summer, I let my principal know, Hey, I'm not going to be coming back. Um, I'm going to go chase this dream that I have. And, um, that's kind of how it started. And then I've just been grinding a lot of local stuff, uh, working my way up to the, the pro tour events that we play nowadays. And, um, I think I have like 80, 85 or 86 PDGA wins, but um, I think maybe seven or eight of those are A tiers. And then this is my first pro tour victory. Mm. So definitely the, the most prestigious uh, victory that I've had out of, you know, the, the many of wins that I have had. Mm-hmm. And we want to get 
to, you know, what this means for you going forward. But I also would imagine you mentioned, you know, all the years and the improvements you've had to finally get to a place even today or where you're talking about a pro tour win. Uh, how many times over these past years did you think maybe um, it's time for me to move on? We see lots of players do that. Did you ever have that feeling? Uh, hard to say. I mean, like maybe this off season a little bit. Um, I kind of uh, had doubts maybe if I was still good enough, um, you know, but I, I still wanted to go out on tour and, and pursue what I've been pursuing the last six, six or seven years, which is to get a big victory. And I was able to get this yeah. silver series victory. And so I think that definitely solidifies that I'm still doing the thing that I'm meant to be doing and that I'm not near the end of my career yet. Right. And what does a win like this do for you, uh, whether it's mentally or financially? Like, what does this do for you to stimulate like the rest of the season and maybe looking forward? Yeah, it's it's definitely a mental booster, a confidence booster. Um, we're coming up on a lot of uh, big events that have a lot of prestige and like uh, Pro Tour standings points. We got Ledgestone, D-Glow, the other playoff event. And so I think definitely having a little bit more confidence coming up to those big events is going to help me uh, hopefully finish to play the pro tour finale at the end of the year, which I missed out on last year. So I think if I can make the finale, then it'll be an improvement from last season. Do you know where you're standing right now or do we need stat Mando to pull I, it up for us? I think I'm <laughs> 25th in the standings right now. Okay. Well, I know you don't want to yeah. count your chickens before they or your eggs. However they say that, <laughs> but, uh, you're doing good. Uh, in our group chat, Ben Kenny, our intern here, intern Ben, Hello. he's like, dude, he's having a sneaky good season. So we're following a little bit here, but now this win kind of puts that stamp that you're talking about for sure. Yeah. Nick, yeah. I feel like I've had, I've had um, some solid finishes and then uh, weirdly enough, the two majors I haven't played well at, um, <laughs> But European Open, I was coming off of a back injury, so I hadn't played in like 11 days or something. I couldn't even stand up six days before the tournament started. Uh, wow. So, I mean, I was wow. just happy to get over there and, and play at the event. Um, but then, yeah, the the other major, Champions Cup, I just forgot how to putt. And so uh, I kind of worked on doing a little bit different putt ever since Champions Cup, and I feel like that has definitely helped me um, since – I, I feel like cool. so many people relate when we have on a guest in an interview and they talk about forgetting how to putt. I'm like, everybody's like, he's one of us. Like, we, yeah. like it's something that we all struggle with, but it's awesome to see. Can you fill us in real quick? And Nick, I'll hand it over to you. I didn't know if you were frozen for a while. No, you're good. But is um, what, what was going on with the back? Because you did mention it now and you mentioned it in your post round interview. Like, was this an accident or just a lingering thing? Uh, so the last round of preserve, I woke up and kind of, my back was very, uh, very stiff with a certain movement, kind of like the slight bending down. And I've, I've kind of had this injury in the past and I know like when I get it bad, it takes me out for a solid week. Um, but I, I played the preserve or whatever. Then I went to Kansas city wide open and I was playing a practice round. I got through nine holes and I was just like, man, this just doesn't feel right. And so uh, I think I went to a chiropractor the next day and then I was just stretching it in the shower and I felt it go just tweak and give all the way in. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I know that pain. <clears throat> I know that pain. 
And so, um, I mean, I dropped the Kansas City wide open, and then I was focused on getting better for the European Open, which I think my flight was that next Sunday. So I had about nine days to get better. And, uh, man, like for six or seven days, I just couldn't even get out of bed. I could barely stand up and walk. I mean, sometimes I'd almost collapse to the ground Mm. in pain. Um, but yeah, I had all kinds of like chiropractors, um, doctor's visits, uh, some medication. I did some dry needling and, uh, but yeah, I woke up a couple days before my flight to Europe and I was like, okay, I feel a little bit better. Like I definitely noticed a big jump from like the searing pain to just like a little bit, a little bit less pain, but like I was able to stand up and walk. And so, um, yeah, I played, I played one practice round at the European open, taking it very, very lightly just cause I didn't want to retweak anything or, uh, just injure myself any further. But yeah, I think hopefully the back injuries behind me, um, and I can focus on just practicing like normal. Mm, definitely. Um, I've got kind of one basic question, uh, and a lot of our chat is asking as well is what did you teach before going out on the road? Yeah, I did special education for three years. I did two years, uh, of middle school, special ed, and then I did one year of high school. Is there anything that you miss about teaching in the sense of, do you kind of miss the consistency of that life or is the tour just everything that you could hope and dream of? Uh, I don't want to like sound bad, but there's nothing that I miss about teaching. Okay. Not a thing. Wow. I, there you go. Do you... I, I don't think it's for me. Um, yeah, I just don't think it's, it's for me. I do miss the, uh, like the personal connections you kind of build with students and stuff. And I was also coaching multiple sports. And so being in that role and, um, you know, just developing students who are trying to get better in their athletics and or classwork. Did you ever uh, I catch, do miss that part. Did you ever catch up with James Proctor? I feel like James had a similar background before joining the mm-hmm. tour. Yeah, I know he was a special yeah. needs teacher as well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we've really talked too much about it. But. Well, it's something I, I have no it's idea. There's something to bring up now at this point. Something's yeah. working. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Now, now a more disc golf savvy question. Um, I, I would label you, and there's a few people out in you know the USA that are kind of like this, where you're in your area, and whenever you travel, you are kind of one of the people who are labeled as a king of B tiers and C tiers, and then A tiers as well. You said you have eight of them. Like you are a really just beyond average like local tournament player. You have great ratings at them. You obviously have 84, 86 wins is what I was just looking at. What is playing those events like compared to the tour events? And what do you think, you know, you're talking about a champions cup, you forgot how to putt, and then <laughs> you'll go and play a B tier and average 1058 at it. Talk to us a little bit, just what is the mental side of, you know, that player going from local events up into national events? Uh, weirdly enough, I probably, <laughs> excuse me, I, probably get more nervous at the local events just because I know I'm the top guy and I'm expected to win Uh. uh, from everybody there. And so if I don't perform well, I, I feel like it's a huge letdown just for myself personally, but anybody else who's there rooting for me or, you know, excited to see me at a smaller tournament, uh, the big tournaments, um, there's, obviously still some nerves um but i'm not the favorite to win i would say at any tournament 
but I know that if I play well enough that I, I can win or place very high. Uh, so I feel like there's a little less pressure to perform perfect at the big events. Um, but I, I feel like I've definitely kind of grasped uh, the what it takes to play in the clutch moments from the smaller events. Because I, I have had multiple tournaments where a local guy is right on my heels at a small tournament. And I feel like that I have a lot of pressure to, to win. And I was able to kind of translate that yesterday. I, I mm. honestly felt very, very little pressure on the last five or six holes. I was very, very calm and just kind of knew what I had to do. And that kind of brings me slowly going into my next point about actually talking about the tournament is what clicked this week that excelled you into winning your first silver series event on the pro tour what was it about this week that's been different than other weeks the i so i think my driving off the tee was the best i've ever had almost every single hole out there you got to hit some kind of gap whether it's right off the tee or you know a little bit down the fairway and i can't recall in my head where i threw a shot and my disc just smacked a tree it was always i hit a tree real late in the flight or i just peered the gap and so I, I only had two bogeys um, for the entire tournament. One was a missed putt from 20 feet, and the second one was a three putt inside the circle. So I think just driving super well and giving myself uh, all those opportunities to score definitely is what drove me to the top. Mm, okay. So um, you, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, you, you you take down a player who you mentioned as arguably the best player in the world, and I don't. I think there definitely is an argument to be made there. A little, I don't phenom's the right word there, but major winner at a the youngest to win the USDGC, and then obviously performing very well this year. And then you have to go up with him on the card and and perform at your highest to take it down. Um, he alluded to, and I don't think he was trying to take anything away from your victory if you saw a social media post but he alluded to possible mm -hmm. distractions out there on the course did you feel like from your perspective that there was unnecessary distractions during drives or putts for you at any point for me no okay um i can't speak on absolutely and what he saw or you know because yeah. it's different on every angle and every shot absolutely. but for me personally no that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. How how were the galleries out there? The camera sometimes doesn't do it justice. Were there hundreds of people or what was it like? I'd say a couple hundred people. Um, a lot of people were camped up on hole 18, I think, waiting for everybody to come down the stretch. But there was a good maybe 100 people following the card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, n nothing compares to the European Open, we know. But <laughs> you go from that to this, it's a little different in the woods. Um and then can you give us your perspective on the course? Like, is it the weather and the water that kind of holds this tournament back from becoming something more in the future? Like you guys experienced it firsthand. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, the, the course is fantastic. It's championship level course. Um, just the fact that it's in a floodplain is very unfortunate and we just can't seem to play an entire <laughs> event without some kind of rain messing up the uh, the tournament structure and the <laughs> and the schedule so mm. um yeah i don't know if that is something that's gonna always keep it from jumping up to that elite series event or not because i don't know 
it really uh, throws the tournament out of whack whenever hey, it rains. Des Moines does the same thing, and they're not in a floodplain. So, I mean, it is True. an interesting conversation to be had surrounding that. But uh, great to hear you talk about the quality of the course. We know John. We've interviewed him before. John Houck, incredible course designer for sure. Um, is it is it ahead, more of a seasonal thing? Like, let's say the Mid America opening was, or excuse me, the Mid America Open was happening in April. Is that potentially something that would help it out, or is I mean, it, still... it might be might be worse. I was going <laughs> to say I might I might have just picked the worst month literally to <laughs> yeah, say that, but um, maybe the right, fall. I thought about it right after. Maybe the fall. Okay. Yeah. 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 And the event yeah, was, was moved. My, in, my bad. The event was moved in 2021. Uh, when it was a silver event on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. I believe it was in April then, and it moved to a nearby course. That was the year that Kyle Klein won with Heather Young. Okay. Okay. So um, now it's in July. You'd think it would be better, but I don't know. Summer's you weird. Think. <laughs> you think. So you won yesterday. You come into today. We reach out. I'm sure there's others who are reaching out or will be reaching out to you. This is a big moment for you. Um, it's funny. It's like you won. What are you going to do next? Um, you're just going to the next event. Are you, did you get in a practice round for Ledgestone? I have not. Um, okay. I've actually not been feeling the best, hence my cough. Yeah, we'll um, let you go in a minute. <laughs> but no, <laughs> no practice round today. Um, hopefully get one or two in tomorrow. Whew. Okay. Hopefully get one or two in tomorrow and then, uh, and then maybe one on Wednesday okay. as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully you didn't party too hard and this isn't just the layover from the excitement, but you're, you're obviously your health is important. We hope the best for you. Um, is there anything that we missed? You want to give any shout outs to any sponsors or anything? Uh, Discraft, Ledgestone, Greasy Dyes. <coughs> Gosh, sorry. Take your time. <laughs> Take okay. your time. You're good. Uh, Upper Park. <laughs> and we have no problem covering talking for you while you take care of your cough. Yeah. That's fine too. We're good at we're good at talking and we yeah. can fill in whatever we need to. But we wanted to give you an opportunity to to shout out anybody else that you wanted to before we let you go. And smoke and aces. There it is. All right. Special I know, shout uh, out to and, Smoke and Aces. Yeah, I'll kind of say this for you, but Ledgestone <laughs> does Andrew Presnell discs. Uh, you can go over to Ledgestone and help support Andrew on his tour. I think Rocket League Forces is that right? Yep. Rocket League Forces and, you know, a Rocket League, pretty fun game. So if you want to support Andrew on his tour, Ledgestone.com, LedgestoneInsurance.com. Yep, shop Ledgestone. There you Perfect. Go. Yeah, I saw that little mini stamp that Ledgestone did for you. It looks sick. I don't, it's just super. I don't know, minimalistic, but it's beautiful. I'm like, dude, like I want one. So there you go. That's awesome. Go shop that support you. you. Anything yeah. else before we let you go that you wanted to say your, this is your time on the show. Otherwise we'll let you go and, and get some rest. Uh, just thank you everybody. That's reached out and congratulated me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. All right. All right. Appreciate awesome. it, Andrew. Feel better and uh, good right. luck at Ledgestone. Yeah, absolutely. Right, thank you. Yep. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you. Good luck. Everybody, hey, Andrew yeah, Presnell, just... the stamp I was talking about has a simple capital P and then like rotated by 45 or yeah, 45 degrees R and then 45 E and then 45 Z right in the middle mini stamp. There's something about it stood out to me. Definitely go support him that way. 
a player like him, it means a lot more to, and I'll leave the names blank here that I'm about to say, but the players who are not needing that support, uh, a win like this can really, I want to say jumpstart because he's been grinding for so long, but it can reignite and jumpstart if we want to help him out that way. So that was awesome. I hope whatever he's getting coming down with or trying to get out of, I really yeah. hope that's uh, just some sleep will help there. Thank you so much for coming on, Andrew. That was great. A lot of water. He's just choking up about the win. I, you know, I was we'll wondering. Just, we'll give it. Yeah, we'll he give, we'll did that do him. that. Did you watch his post round interview? He choked up when he was asked about his dad carrying the bag. So I think that's really special to. Uh, that's a moment that I would imagine myself feeling similarly. So that, yeah. that was awesome to see. Well, when you're when you're carrying the bag for Hunter or Tanner, <laughs> that's when they win be. a big big event. You I better hope be that crying, they cry though. in front of you. Yes, yeah, you're going to cry. Be. We all know that. <laughs> Uh, he he mentioned his disc. Nick, you mentioned that specifically Rock League. I think that's so cool. He, yeah. he uh, as a not very good rocket player, but I used to play all the I time. Just recently it. played yeah. later. And Nick, yeah. depending on how bad you are, maybe we play sometime. If yeah, you're not, definitely. If are you're you not Xbox too, too or PS4, yeah, PS5, PS4, PC for Rocket know, League. Oh, you do PC. Okay, I have it on P uh, PS4 as well. But gotcha. Uh, rocket League all PC now. Uh, but. Yeah, I think that's super cool. He's got, you know, the, he had the Octane last year as the Fennec this year. And it says, what a par save, which if you're yeah. a Rocket League player, you know, that's the most toxic thing you can say. But that seems a lot nicer. So uh, I think that's very cool. Uh, I, I wanted to ask him about it, but he just he was talking a bit and I think he just needs some rest. So I didn't want to. That's where too I much kind there. of I, was. <laughs> I would have felt so bad. Ask another thing. Like, you know, I know, I know he, yeah. he probably is like happy to share some spotlight after a, you know, a huge win, but, uh, it's I, this is now like off the like show. To, it's part of the show. We're talking about it, but like, what do you do in a moment? Right. Where it's like, Oh, this person needs help. It, Honestly, I, we maybe we could have said like, hey, go take a break, figure it out, come back. That's absolutely fine. That's not even a problem for the show at all. But we're like so mm -hmm. mid and we're almost to the end of it. I think he was feeling a little funny. I think we handled it okay, but I did feel for him. I'm like, man, if that was me right now in the middle of a like an interview and I'm like, uh, like I need to go get a drink, guys. I'm sorry, but I'm hoping whatever it is, again, he'll be handling it fine. And he's yeah, we're really excited for the guy. That is epic. Um, for him to get his career largest or biggest win. And that's awesome. So I, I wasn't trying to get him to contradict Gannon. I want to be very clear. That was not my goal with that question. The reason I asked that question is because if he said, yeah, absolutely, there's people distracting me all day, I think it brings a talking point just because it'd be multiple people saying it. Uh, an individual who loses, I'm not discrediting Gannon, but he's looking at through a microscope of what caused me to miss that putt as opposed yep. to like through the course of a tournament saying this tournament, you know, it's, seemed to be really distracting. So it's a, it's also a player by player kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I, I obviously play True. a lot more local tournaments nowadays. And for me, if there is consistent movement or consistent chat or consistent music, like far off in a park or something like that, I don't mind it. For me, it's when something happens sudden. So <laughs> let's say I'm, you know, like a, a train horn or a car horn yeah, or something right like that. In your just something that happens in the backswing or putting, <laughs> that's when it screws me up. But if there's something consistent going on, I, I don't mind it. That's me personally. Um, you know, for Gannon, if there are people consistently moving, it, it's really funny too because my buddy Seth texted me about that. And he goes, bro, he rushed it. And I was just like, Gannon rushed a shot? This is the dude who, like, we've called out 10 times for taking a minute plus on some shots. It's and he short. rushed a 20-footer that would have pushed it. I mean, it's just, you know, to each their own. And I, 
I think players have legitimate excuses on why something goes wrong. Um, they're in a much different position than we are. We get to see it from the sidelines and say, oh, yeah, that wouldn't have messed me up if I was in that position. But something else might mess you up in that position. So it's kind of like, absolutely, you know, I, granted, I mean, if a player is going out and making 50 excuses every single tournament, then, yeah, we're talking about something completely different. Yep. But, you know. It, right. He exactly. rushed it. I, it, I would yeah. say, realistically, he rushed it, and he missed a putt that you would think Anna would make 99% of the time, and this is literally the 1% that he didn't make it, and it is what it is. At least it's he didn't air it. career-ending. He didn't yeah. air it. He did one of those toilet bowl yeah. rim deals, but yeah. but yeah, again, I was asking the question because I wanted multiple perspectives, um, so we we understand i just wanted to see from his perspective if he was like man absolutely it was horrible i think that'd be a talking point because i know the pro tour tries to do the very best they can with that stuff um anyways so yeah um andrew apologizes via text message for the cold that is kicking his butt so uh, we understand tell him obviously no issues whatsoever absolutely. we'd love to have him on the show again uh please people go out and buy some awesome discraft discs especially with andrew presnell's name on them Ledgestone has a billion things to shop. Go check them out and help them out. It's and, uh, awesome while, to see someone new win. While you're on Ledgestone looking at Andrew Presnell's sweet minimalistic stamp, a Rocket mm. League stamp, we do have some stat Mando ringers that are on there. Look uh, at that. Way and, to slide right and, in. And while you're on, <laughs> I'll go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we haven't talked about it much yet, but we'll talk about uh, uh, Ledgestone later this uh, show and, and give our picks and whatnot. But the disc we have on there, the Statmando Ringer, is a Northwood Black uh, uh, specialty disc that uh, highlights the how hard that course is. The hardest course on uh, on tour for elite and majors for MPO. Uh, so very cool. The stamp is phenomenal. So even if you don't care about Northwood Black or the stats around it, I think the stamp's super cool. And if you don't know what a it Ringer is. is, I call it like a little bit more AM friendly zone. Not that a zone's not like AMs can't throw zones. I throw a zone and I'm an AM, uh, but it's a little bit of a straighter, uh, but still has that little bit of overstability, a lot of fun to throw. So if you haven't thrown it before, try it out. Uh, I highly recommend it for sure. So we've got Coriolis lined up here in the next minute. Um, and again, fun show so far we still have a lot to talk about so stick around because i think when we get to the rules talk it's gonna be pretty a rules talk can be super boring but these proposals yeah. are really interesting um not a lot to the rules of disc golf but how com competition specifically is affected with these rule proposals but without further ado at this point let's go ahead and bring in major winner one time right now Corey ellis Welcome to the show, Corey. We're excited to have you. We tried to get you on last week, but you were literally landing in New York. Like you're on the plane and you're like, it's, it won't work. You lined up all these other shows. You've said a lot. And I don't know if you're already like, dude, I've said so much, but we wanted our listeners to hear it. And we thought maybe you thought up some new things since then. <laughs> How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you guys? Absolutely are great. great. Are you um, already at peoria yep i've got three rounds in already we got here yesterday and um the northwoods is looking a lot better it's like the brush has been pushed back a lot and it's it's looking pretty good why wow. do you rate northwoods black in your kind of great courses or horrible courses on <laughs> tour how do you rate it uh 
I like the course. I don't okay. think it's fantastic. Okay. Um, but um, it's it's fun to play. You know. Yeah. If you're if you're getting off the tee, that is. If you're not getting off the tee, it's not going to be fun. <laughs> I was going to say curiosity. What what don't you like about that course? Uh, overall, it's it's just uh, it can be grueling mm -hmm. sometimes. You know, just if you're a little off, it can really punish you and not some as much as it used to now. Um, but it's uh, it's just hard, man. You got you, yeah. like the main thing is getting off the tee, really. I mean, if you do not get off the tee, you are completely screwed on that course. Yeah. Well, let's bring it to a happier note. One time major winner European Open. What, how, how does that feel when you hear that, that you're a one time major winner right now? What is that feeling a week later? It's like about time, you know. Yeah, I've, always, you I've always known I've I've had it in me. It's just uh -huh. what a way to get the first big one, you know. Like a major is pretty incredible. And pretty insane. It's it's just a amazing feeling, man. And you're able to celebrate that with the best players in the world. Your wife was there as well. I just saw an Instagram post. You came straight back to the States. It went right up to Michigan to the Discraft factory. We'll let you talk about the disc later. But, man, major winner. Talk to us about the tournament in and of itself. What clicked with this tournament where you are able to take out the win? Uh, I think the course has a really good mix of, of some woods and some open shots. And... I think just sticking to my game plan is what helped me be so successful at that course and not really changing anything once I got it all dialed in. Um, there was even like a, a couple of holes where I was throwing a backhand and decided to throw a forehand um, like the last practice round. And then I just committed to it no matter what the entire time. Uh, there was a round two and three on hole two i like turfed my drive like six feet in front of the fpot pad and still got up and down for par but then the 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 last round i threw the drive and and chained out and like par ended up parring that round that hole every time and i felt like that was one that i should get at least 50 percent of the time you know it's not that hard of a shot. You just hang a forehand out there and you get it and you, and you have a putt. And most of the time you're going to, you know, have a good look at it. But anyway, the, the course is sick all but hole 11. I think there's too much luck involved in that. Um, other than that, like the course is fantastic besides the walks in between holes. That's the only thing. <laughs> and you can't really do anything about it because it's like, you know, it is what it is. Like yeah. it's a, it, they they did great with what land they had. Right. Okay. Right. Um, I'm going to refresh your camera real quick. I'm going to see what I can do for data here. But what was going on in your emotions, mental game, or whatever? We're fast forwarding way towards the end here. When Anthony Barella missed the island a handful of times, are you like, oh, calm my heart? Were you not even in the moment? Or were you just focused on yours? What was going on while that happened? uh well i was kind of zoned out because um well let's go back to the t-pad before he before that happens 
he has the box and uh, he's throwing, he throws a shot and it almost goes OB off the tee. And I'm just thinking you have to get your drive closer than him to put the pressure on him to get on the Island. And cause I was like, this is, this is the time. Like you had, like you're, you're going to play this for birdie. Like you, you laid up the other rounds. Now is the time to play for birdie. So I threw, I actually, I managed to get my drive in front of me and Kyle threw before AB and stuck the Island. And then as AB's throwing those shots, um, it was, I was kind of like blacked out <laughs> for the first couple. And then I realized like, oh crap, like he's now he's throwing again and he missed. And then I think the third time when he missed is when I went back and looked at the scores to wow. see who all else was like close. And I saw if I laid up and got a par, like that would tie me and Kyle because he's obviously going to birdie. So I was like, okay, well, now is the time. Like you can't lay up, like you're going to play for birdie. And it was, it's so crazy to say, I've said this before. And um, to th when I think back about it, I didn't feel any pressure like on that upshot. As much pressure as there obviously was to stick the green, I, in the moment, I didn't feel like nervous or anything. I just, knew I could throw a 280 foot hyzer with a zone. Can you explain that? Why you didn't feel nervous? Because I'm going, man, that's a great and fantastic thing. Tell us how that happens. Uh, I, I don't know, honestly, okay. because I, I've never experienced that. Okay. I mean, the only thing I can think of is like, uh, I focused on controlling my breathing and, mm. um, in the off season, I was staying with Rick for a couple of weeks and he actually had a guy come over who's into sports, uh, like meditation mm -hmm. for athletes. And he, and he explained some methods and I kind of did that before the final round, um, started, but like, while we were, you know, we had like a weather delay and all that. And I was just doing that. And I think that really played a factor in controlling my heart rate throughout the round and just uh, staying calm. Wow. Uh, any quick tips, like quick tips for meditation? I mean, I know I've heard like box breathing, all these different things, but like, was, is this a whole mindset? You said going into that last round. I mean, are you taking 10 or 15 minutes or is it just a, a mental process like during warmups? Like, what is it? It was um, basically I just sat in a chair and okay. you have to set up with your legs uh like like not 90 degrees but like where you're having blood flow and you do i think it's uh eight seconds inhale through your through your nose and you and you or i'm sorry four seconds inhale as deep as you can hold it for eight seconds and then you release it through your mouth for seven seconds okay and and you but while you're doing that you have to only focus on your breathing not let any other thoughts come into your mind. And if you, you can do it closing your eyes or you just stare at a spot on the floor or wherever and you just focus on, and you do that for, you know, a few minutes or however long you mm -hmm. want to do it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, it, and it's kind of dramatic how it affects your heart. Yeah. I mean, I've been pretty transparent over the years with, uh, 
I guess we're in our third year now. I've gotten a lot better with it, but anxiety and anxious feelings and being able to use utilize breathing physiologically to take it from what your brain is thinking is the fight or flight feeling of like, this is bad for me and kind of turning it to, no, this is okay. And so I, that's what I hear you talking about. And I think it did wonders for you. And I've heard other players talk about that, but to be able to go into that round and be able to say to us, I didn't have that strong feeling of nerves there. And I was, it, it was spectacular because you could replay this event so many ways and media can think this out and you actually did it, but to have a B throw that and then you choose, let's say to lay up and then you miss. And then like all the, like you did exactly what you needed to do and you put the gas on when it was possible that you might've been able to kind of try not to. So like fantastic finish, epic and amazing is the European open in front of a crowd of that size that will stick with you. I mean, a major win forever, but does the crowd size stick with you? Is it burned in your head? Uh, I mean, for sure. Like, and, and not only how big the crowd was, but how well-mannered they were. Like, UC would get up when we were on the tee pad and he'd be like, quiet! And everyone would just freeze. Even, like, the kids. It was, it was awesome to see. Like, really, it's just... The culture over there, they're all so nice and really genuine people and it's just uh refreshing to see you know awesome so i have kind of a ahead, oh go ahead no no go ahead nick i have all right we, we can go back and I, forth here this is this is kind of a question for Corey and Statmando in the sense of Corey, do you know where you were sitting after round one what place you were in uh like 30 something i think Tied for 33rd place. And Evan, I don't know if this is something you know off the top of your head or you can check it out. What is kind of the lowest place someone has been after round one and then ultimately went on to win a major? And Man, it kind of... Huh? Are you kidding me right now? That was the standard yeah. fiction last week. Yeah, it was. Oh, uh, I don't even remember it now. Yeah, it was the second... <laughs> it's been a long week. It was the second lowest placing after round one okay. to then go on to win a major. And I think the the best was 35th. So it was only a couple places lower. And okay. it was... a worlds in the 80s i believe gotcha um so oh, it's it all is, coming back to me now totally. yeah it's been a uh, while definitely. yeah the, yeah, sta the yeah. statter fiction was that it's the the uh i would Who say was? the biggest comeback i would have to pull it right now if uh wait was that in the 90s this happened or 80s we said evan i think I it think was the, 80s now that it, like was it 86 it might be that was wasn't that oh duvall wasn't it was 86 that, worlds that's johnny size it was it duvall uh, I think Johnny it was Duval, so that was eighty four. Was it eighty four? I no, think I might have guessed eighty six. I think we said it was my birth year, eighty five. I I'm pulling up last week's Statter Fiction, so if we All just pulled right. tight, anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll go back with Corey. You you figure that out, Evan. I'll get back to Corey. And so, Corey, kind of getting on that, you were six strokes out of the lead to Kyle Klein. You ended up beating Kyle, I think, by eight the next round. Um, so you're instantly, you put yourself right back into contention. What were your thoughts after round one? And I think this is huge for any um, local professional or local amateur player in the sense of never giving up. Anything is possible. Can you kind of talk to us about your mindset after round one, where you were sitting and what were you thinking about rounds two, three, and four? I mean, the, the goal is always bogey free. Mm -hmm. Always. You know, no matter what course you're playing, that's the goal. And it's and that's all I thought about was just like stay clean off the tee and make your putts and you'll see what happens. You know, I try not to look too far into the future. Um, the biggest thing I've learned over the years, 
two things. One is never give up, just like you said. The other thing is try everything you can do to focus on the shot that's in front of you mm. because that is the only shot that you can control. You can't control the past and you can't predict the future. The only one you can try to control is the one you have in front of you. Everybody write Preach that down. It. Listen to that. That was picture perfect. Corey, <laughs> from a guy this, who won a major after being yeah. 30 somethings place, like it, we tell yeah. intern Ben all the time, like this shot, what just happened, you, you're upset about it, but you got to move on. Like you have no control of that now. So that that's an excellent insight. I want to bring up kind of, it, it was really cool to see. And I know Hannah had posted about it. The pro tour had posted about it, but they showcased you in your moments of let's call them failures. And one of them was being at MVP open. You sat in that room, the scorecard room with your head down. You were bummed about how that event finished. And then they said, so we can celebrate you in these kind of moments. And I, I'm paraphrasing it slash getting it wrong, but then they showcased you winning your first major. Talk to us a little bit about last season. You came so close to winning a couple of elite series events and then having the heart to keep going on with it. What, what, I don't know, I guess kind of what has your mentality been since those events? Uh, I mean, I think I can win any event I go to. Mm -hmm. That's that's how I feel. I wouldn't play if I didn't think I could win because, you know, what's what's the point? So I think last year it took those tough losses for me to be able to handle the pressure in that situation to win this. And if you went back and told me, hey, you're going to come close and lose by a stroke or in a playoff twice. And even once this year, I know I only lost by a stroke, I think, at Portland. And if you told me that you're, that's what's going to take, but you're going to win this major, I would take that all every time. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, yep. We've interviewed you before. This isn't your first time. We... We knew that, listen to us, I'm like tooting our horn. We knew there was greatness there. I mean, fantastic skill set, of course. And I think when we did our interview, I mean, people can go back and check it out. I don't remember what episode it is. I should have researched that, but type in Corey Ellis, Nick and Matt show. This will pop up in the other one. Um, you talked about different things and I'll leave it kind of generic here, but you talked about your journey in life. You talked about all the changes you had made um, through the way you were living. And you talked about inspirationally the support from, I don't know if it was your fiance, I think it was your fiance then, now wife, right? Um, how yes. supportive she was of all of these changes, the life you were, you were trying to push towards, the positivity. Does all of that come into your mind as saying that was all necessary to get where you are now? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Um it's been a long ride and it's, you know, only just begun. I've, you know, I feel like I can still compete for at least 10 more years, you know, <laughs> and, and then we'll move on to masters and I'm sure that'll be huge at that point. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm 29 years old. I'll be 30 in December. So, you know, I'm not as, I was the oldest person on that card. Wow. Also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was pretty crazy to me. I was like, wow, I'm the, I'm the oldest guy by like three years at least. <laughs> and that's, it's, it's crazy to think. I remember, 
I played with Paul the first time in 2014 and he was the oldest person on the card at the time. And he was blown away by that. It was like me, Drew Gibson, Austin Path, and Paul at the Brent Hammock Memorial. And, and he was like, I'm like, how am I the oldest person here? And it's just crazy to think now, like you have kids like Gannon and I played with a kid at Halmar and he's only 16. And that kid just kept blowing me away. Like he aced hole two. He was just canning putts fearlessly. It was, it's just insane to see the talent that's coming up and also scary. You know what I mean? <laughs> like where is the sport going to be in another 10 years? You know, our kids going to be throwing 650. Like, is that going to be the standard or what's going to happen? You know, like, Oh man. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's going to be fun to watch and I'm glad to be a piece of history. Yeah. And so you're a piece of history uh, for, for more obvious reasons than just this major win, but this major win is a huge catalyst towards I'm sure bigger, greater things. So I'll put you on the spot, but what does it take to land a huge contract after one major win? Is that enough? Do you start negotiations? Like, where are you at with that? I mean, we see disc golfers are able to make good contracts now. I mean, one major win, what are you doing with that? I mean, uh, it, it all comes down when you're, when you're talking contracts like that, it comes down to how well you sell discs and merch. So it depends on, you know, how big my following gets. And if I, get you know one or two or win the rest of the season or as long as i pl top play you know finish well for throughout these events i think that is what's going to be pushing my cells and able to get me a bigger contract and mm -hmm. and I, I have signed a two-year contract on the elite team with uh this being the first year of that contract okay. so well this so, is yeah, a but, yeah I did talk to Bob and we, we said, you know, if things get better, you know, let's say I win worlds or something, obviously we could uh, renegotiate. So oh, fantastic. it all depends on sales though. Yeah. Fantastic to hear that. And I'm sure sales are, are a high percentage tied towards how you're performing. Absolutely. They, like you said, if you kept winning out, you're going to be an exciting player and people want to buy it. Um, but this is a great start, man, as far as wins go to get the, the major under your belt and, uh, such an awesome way and overseas, probably there's a lot of memories tied to that. Your wife being out there and everything included, that's just fantastic. I think really quick, Matt, that is kind of an absolutely perfect segue into the people listening to our show, either live in chat or in our post-production on all the favorite podcast platforms out there. You had an Instagram story today with Discraft. Can you tell us about that and commemorative disc? What are we talking about? Uh, yeah, it's, I'm going to have a commemorative Z metallic zone. Mm. And yeah, I chose that disc because it's the one I threw to stick the island. I had zero doubts that it was going to hyzer and, uh, you know, not going to skip out or nothing crazy was going to happen. And it's also the shot I threw off of uh, hole one uh, every round. Even though I didn't throw that shot the best, I threw it great in practice a lot, and I got birdie three out of four rounds. So there you go. <laughs> where yeah, where at, where can the people buy them? Uh, they're gonna be, I believe Bob said they're 
they're going to be available for wholesale. Um, so they could be in your local store if people buy them. So we need, uh, we just need, yeah, need local shops to buy them up and everybody can get their hands on them as well as, um, teamdiscraft.com on, uh, the Coriolis section. They will be available on there. Fantastic. Yeah. So we have an audience that listens. You're on other podcast platforms, the media presence that you've had over the last week and a half now or whatever it's been and i'm obviously before that as well with all of your close finishes and just your the skills that you bring to the course but hopefully you speak about how well things can sell and how they move them your skill is good enough let's get let's get Corey this contract everyone go out and support it buy these this that'll be pretty cool i appreciate that man that really means a lot yeah and when and when you come back the end either either you renegotiate into some blockbuster deal or it come back in two years and you resign or you go somewhere else we'll we'll do the exclusive we did it for simon we'll do it for you too (laughs) that sounds great uh before we let Corey go i'll answer that stat it was 1985 worlds with harold harold duvall winning it he was in 35th place after round one although only four strokes back and it was a six round tournament uh, I did a, a quick look up for just four round tournaments, four or less. I mean, we have a few ma- or for majors, excuse me, four round or less majors. Um, and that means it's the furthest back anyone's come after round one. Uh, it's the third or tied for the third uh, biggest stroke comeback from round one. You were six strokes back to Kyle Klein after round one. Uh, in 2014 USDGC, Will Schuster was nine strokes back of Paul Macbeth, uh, ultimately won that throughout the four rounds. Uh, very cool. Dang, dude, that's awesome. That's a, that's a crazy stat to have. Yeah. Yeah. Stat Mando is so cool. And to have him as part of our show every (laughs) week, that's spectacular. All right. Uh, did we miss anything, Corey, that you feel like is worth shouting out? I know you've been on, like I said, a, a bunch of others here. Um, is there anything that you look back in hindsight and say, I wish I said, or mentioned, or it's the floor is yours if you want it. I just want to thank you guys for inviting me on your show and to for everyone for all the messages and all the love and support and kind words and congratulations and anyone that's bought a disc or even came up to me and had me sign a disc I, I will sign whatever disc you want it doesn't matter whether it's discraft or not I've had people come up and be like oh you're gonna have him sign that like <laughs> I don't care and I'm just happy to sign a disc because I was at one point that little kid that came up to King Climo and wanted an autograph. So wow. I will forever remember all those kids in Finland and just how excited they were to see everybody and, and just yelling out Ricky and Paul and my name and just like it's their last time they, they may ever see them. You know, they don't know when they're going to get another chance to get that autograph. And it warms my heart to see uh, the kids love it so much. Very, there you go. Very inspirational. The chat absolutely there. loved this. They actually got, this yeah. is really funny because usually a chat gets really active for excitement, but sometimes it's for the wrong reasons. <laughs> Tonight, they kind of tapered off as you came on, but the view count increased. I think they were really drawn into what you had to say. So I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I think... We'll probably see you for sure at MVP Open in our neck of the woods. We'll come up and say hi, obviously, and we'll catch up. But good luck out there. Um, Hope your practice rounds are going to go well the rest of the week. And maybe if you don't mind and you win, we'll reach out again. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. 
All right. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Corey. Right, Have a luck, great Corey. evening. No problem. Thanks, guys. All right. Peace, peace. out. Go shop teamdiscraft.com and then look up the Corey Ellis page. Corey has one of the cleanest looking logos in the game. Facts. I think there's just a lot of cool things about it. And he's just an all around awesome dude. So anyways, go check it Watch out. It. Watching him throw a disc is just like it. It, it looks so good. You it's know, it's wild. You yes, know, like uh, there, there are certain people where you're like, ah, that's the purest form. And I'm not saying his like his form is incredible still, but it just like it has this feeling when it comes out. You're just like, ah, like that's how like I want to throw. Like it just it looks so cool. It's a I, lifelong I I, journey for me to try. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to describe it better than that. Yeah. So I'm sorry, but it's if the, you know uh, what I'm he, talking about, yeah. he stands still as a putter better than most people in the world, I would assume. So uh, yeah, dude, exactly. yeah. We rewatched my kid, or I should say, my kids were rewatching like highlights from. I just think it was Disc Golf Pro Tour highlights. It was on DGN, and I came up, and it was like Corey Ellis coming through Maple Hill, and it was playing it out, like all the highlights, but it felt like I was reliving it again, and it was yeah. just like epic. I for, I honestly forgot. Like They keep showing the shot where he threw it OB on the green, and then more or less they're like, and that was it, and they show him like all sad. But I, for, I almost forgot. Like He actually stood up to putt to maybe tie it, and it was like... Yeah. I was there. It was epically close. This guy grinded and he achieved. Uh, go back and listen to that episode, guys, with him, Coriolis, because I was alluding to it. I didn't want to put him on the spot if he wasn't wanting to talk more about it, but it's recorded on the internet um, what he what he was doing in his life to get to this point. And I think it was really special. Um, all right. Well, with that being said, let's move over into our next topic, which is going to be about the official... Well, c competition guide, I guess is how you'll put it, for the PDGA competition. There's some interesting things in here. I don't know how far we'll get through them. So I'm like, all right, I'm tuning out now. It's the rules. But let's just start with this. Let me pique your attention because this is kind of related to Pro Tour, but it's also related to us because it's competition, specifically to the fact that um, you, everybody needs to keep score now, okay? Um, scoring all players will now be required to keep score for the whole group. And if I was just to say that one sentence, that's the that's the summarization of this rule. What do you think about that? Now, it's not specific that it's got to be PDJ Live. It's not specific that it has to be paper. It just says everybody in the group now has to keep score for the entire group. Uh, I have questions about it, but generally speaking, I'm okay with it. I'm not saying it's innovative and like absolutely necessary, but I'm okay with it. What's your feelings? I mean, I would always keep score for our, whatever group I'm in, no matter what. And I mean, I can think back to my last tournament round where I was having a ton of fun on a card with you, Matt and Ben. And I was like a little bit busy and was hoping other people would keep score and no one was really up for it. So I was like, all right, fine. I'll keep score. I can't uh, believe you did that either. I was like, you're yeah, like, do you right? have the app? I'm like, no, you're like, okay, I'll do it. No one had the app. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. Uh, I like keeping score in a general sense. So I would always do it anyways. Uh, but I'm almost kind of glad other people are, so I don't have to like awkwardly uh, mm -hmm. agree to do it. it. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's great. I, I gotta be honest. Well, again, all these rules are up for, um, uh, what's the best They're way to being proposed you, as rule changes. Yeah. yeah proposed. Exactly. You can reach so back and provide your feedback. Nothing's set yet, but it's kind of like pretty much if, if not everyone hates this or if we don't reconsider it, where this is going to be a rule. So it's a high likelihood or a, over 50% chance. I don't know how to word that best. Um, but 
I could see this being a rule that maybe isn't truly enforced. You know, I <laughs> if we have two people, oh, my phone's dead and I didn't grab a paper one. Uh, then you like, get what a stroke penalty, I think. Like, are people going to be like, are people really going to give them a stroke? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I do question it, but I do think it's a good rule. You can and designate I, it to your caddy. And I want to yeah. add one other point is for uh, majors and elite series events where PDGA live is the official scoring. Uh, it is requiring somebody on the group to at least use PDGA live. So not that everyone has to do it. And for you, the listener, your cat or your uh, casual round, but your uh, amateur or low lower pro tournament, you're not going to be required to use PDGA live. But at the pro level, it is, which I think is great because I use PDG Live for following the Disc Golf Pro Tour because it, it loads so fast and is easy to use. And I prefer it as my way to follow scores. So I'm glad that every group is required to do it. Let me ask the question, Nick. Yeah. You step up to a tournament round. I feel uh-huh. like I know Nick well enough. I know what his answer is going to be. We should mute his ears so then I can say and then we'll see if he answers this way. But like it, it comes up. Who wants to keep score? Oh, he's, he actually pulled out his earbuds. So I think he's going to say, oh, I don't matter. I don't, I don't mind too much. I'll do it if I have to. You know, it's not a big deal. Okay. Come on back, Nick. <laughs> I was, just, I was okay. just kind of guessing a little bit how you might answer. But like, so someone goes, Nick, hey, they don't specifically say Nick, but it comes up in the group before you tee off. Like, who's going to keep score? Like, are you someone who kind of like turns away and is like, do-do-do? Or like, how do you feel about that? No, I actually don't mind keeping score. Okay. Um, I, I actually... And there's a few reasons why. One, because if there's a backup, I usually use my phone for something. I'll read text messages or whatever. Um, so I don't mind being on my phone during rounds. I'm not obnoxious with it at all. But um, also, I do like on PDJ Live when you're keeping score and you hit the live button to see what everyone else is at, it updates automatically. There's no delay or anything like that. And so I really like if I'm curious of what other people are shooting that round, it's the best up-to-date kind of live scoring that we have at local tournaments. So I I don't, when I used to play pro tour events, um, I've done UDISC before, especially when players were required to do it. And I have done it a couple times since volunteers are supposed to be able to do it. And the main reason is usually there's been someone on the card who has no idea how to use it, like the volunteer. And so I've taken over before because it's, Mm -hmm. it gets in your head when like, I remember, no, I, I realistically, I don't mind it. I think it's really stupid if all four people have to do it. I think that's really dumb because I think there are a lot of people who absolutely hate having their phone on them during tournaments. And well, like I think paper. that's, yeah. yeah well, this so is a paper. That's, like, that's the paper. kind of conversation to where now, okay, so now every single tournament director has to provide paper scorecards. I think which, they've had to do that. If that's the case, they've already if had that's to. the case, then, then great. The tournament, the tournament that I was just at, they had paper scorecards unless two people were doing it on their phone. You didn't have to use a paper one, mm-hmm. but if like, I played a tournament with Andrew Fish a couple weeks ago and I took score on the PDGA live app and he took score on a paper scorecard. Mm-hmm. And some players are fine with that. I think that's totally cool. I think it's really dumb that all four people have to do it. I think, yeah. And a player who refuses to keep score may be subject to disqualification. Mm-hmm. I, I do. That's kind of, that's, uh, it's a little extreme in my eyes, to be honest. I, I think that's pretty dumb, but look, if the rules there, the rules there now, it is what it is. I'm asking a question I that really I actually, uh, I'm asking a sincere question. It may be very obvious. The PGA, PGA, each player tracks their score and not their competitors. It's just their own. Or do they also check the competitors? Do we know that? Anybody in I, the chat? I, I, okay. I've I heard this. Tell you. 
I've heard this in a general sense, but I don't know it directly. But I believe what I heard is you keep score for yourself and one other person on your card. So like okay. if, if it was us four, uh, me, Nick, Matt, and Ben, I might keep track of my own score and Ben's score. Ben would keep track of his own score and Nick's. Nick's would do his and Matt's and Matt would do his and mine. So that way there's one backup per person plus you're keeping your own. I, I, something like that. Uh, so I don't think it's like if you have a foursome, I don't think you're keeping track of all four. But there's at least everyone has some sort of backup and everyone is keeping score. That could be wildly off. Uh, so I'm sorry if it is, but that's my understanding. Mm. So we'll see if the chat comes in to help us out here. Brody Smith is listening. Sometimes he he wants to fill us in on the golf info. He is experienced with it, so it'd be yeah. fair to hear. Um, I, I will say one more thing uh, to do with this uh, or related to this is if somebody else uh, gives you a wrong score, you're not penalized unless your own scorecard is it. So if yes. I, if I, if I, um, which whole 18 was weird and Matt, you were keeping the, like maybe you were the first person to do it. And in, in an old world, you would have been the official scorekeeper. If you gave me a three, yes. but I got a two and I wrote down two for myself and we both submitted, even though there's a discrepancy, I wouldn't be penalized because you had the wrong score. But if before this change, if only you were keeping a score and you just go and submit it and don't even ask me or talk to me, uh, I could get a two-stroke penalty. I forget how that works because technically you're supposed to confirm with other players. Yes, so there's a lot of other. There's a lot uh, of little parts. gray loopholes here for but sure. I think what this does is it does start to eliminate those loopholes. And yes. again, like if you haven't used PDG Live, it is such an easy system to use. It does such a yeah. good job checking to see if you have a score discrepancy. Uh -huh. Like I can't recommend it enough. <laughs> like I just think they've done a good job. It's so fast. It's quick. I use it uh, where it's bad service and it still works. It's fine. And you so, want to know what you want to know what sucks about PDG Live scoring though? Playoffs. Yes, we know. No freaking okay. playoffs, dude. And it is so <laughs> annoying. Let but me, anyways, let me bring this back. So we got a lot more rules to do. But the funny part I'm yes. laughing about is PGA. How many people are on their cards usually at these events? One. It's a twosome. So it's pretty funny. Well, it's a threesome it's before the three. cut. Yeah. Okay. And then All it's right. twosomes after. Okay. But yeah. I, I also don't know if that's, you know, not just the tour level, but there's the the whole national True. events, you know. And if I played yeah. a tournament as a, you know, handicap of however high you can go, um, played a tournament, uh, would I be playing on a foursome or a threesome or a twosome? I have no clue. I would maybe guess a three or four. I have two stories. And that sounds like it could be a long night, but it's not. One is at Junior Worlds. After the round, uh, one of the rounds, standing at the scoring table with the officials that are there, hearing a junior competitor, their caddy, I think it was their mom or their dad. I forget that maybe it was multiple times they came up. And the kid was being as respectful as possible, but he said his score was submitted wrong. He thought one of the players might have tried to do it intentionally. Um, they were rude during the round kind of a thing and they scored me wrong on purpose and submitted it. And, they, and the official said, did you verify the score? And he said something like, I verified it, but it didn't get changed or something along those lines. And it got submitted. So he actually got ended up getting the correct score plus two because he allowed it to get submitted, I guess. And I, I don't love that that part of it, which is why I kind of feel like there's an interesting thing here. Um, so the second story is recently a, a flex start that I played in. I step up to the hole and someone says, or the TD's there and he says like, Hey, who's going to keep score? And somebody just turns and goes, Hey, I wasn't top on the card, like the scoreport. 
I'm thinking, first of all, score ports are kind of old school now. But he goes, I wasn't taught. I don't have to do it. And that just rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, it's and the TD corrected him. It's everybody's responsibility. Like, nobody has to do it all. But, like, it, that's not how it works. And I like that this takes away that feeling of who's going to do it and that it's arbitrary. It's literally decided in that moment. I've been in a round where four people, me included, didn't want to keep score. And we're all standing there. And the TD's like, who's going to do it? And it kind of comes down to this, who's the last person to bow out and say, okay, fine, I'll do it. Because I care more about my relationship with the TD than I do. You know, like, I like that fact and aspect of it. Now, we're talking all the way up to the pro level. I don't know that it even needs to happen it that way. Track your own score, maybe. Not everybody's score. And then final thought here. Evan, you said this. If you submit a score wrong for somebody else, it doesn't affect them. Do I get penalized for submitting someone else's score wrong, though? You see what I'm saying? So, like, if I'm tracking everybody's scores, they don't get penalized if I submit their score wrong. But do I get penalized for submitting their score wrong? Yeah, I'm going to try to... I understand what you're saying. I'm going to try to find it right I couldn't here. tell, honestly. I know it says that that player yeah, wouldn't really be penalized. So, so I'm going to read what it says right here, uh, the whole thing, and yeah. we'll try to find it out together. But it says, G2, if a player submits a scorecard where their total score or whole scores are incorrect, improperly recorded, or missing, two penalty throws are added to the correct total score. Those penalty throws are not added when the score has been adjusted for other violations. Blah, 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 blah. That's not important. G3, a player is not penalized if another member of their group submits an incorrect scorecard. Right, but it's hard to tell G2. So, if they're yeah, going to be penalized, if a player submits. <laughs> yeah, I think you. I think you have a good point, and this is something that might come up again. These rules are just proposals. Maybe this is something that'll get worded out. Uh, you probably do get penalized because the reason being, then My what would be no, the purpose? Actually. Then what would be the purpose of tracking their scores if it yeah. didn't matter if they were correct? Like it'd be like, oh, screw it. it, doesn't matter if they're correct. I'm not getting penalized. They're not getting penalized. Like you're obviously going to get penalized. I think if you submit their score wrong. No, let's play this scenario right now. Let's do it the way it exists now. Okay. I'm the only one keeping score for our card of this show, Matt. I put but, you down as having a bogey five on a par four or something. I, I put you down as a five, and you're like, no, I got a four. I submit it. Who gets penalized? It's just you. I don't get penalized and for like, that. And I'm like, he did it. He ran away with scores. the phone. He ran you away with the phone and I couldn't stop right. him. <laughs> I don't get penalized for having your wrong score as it stands now. So I think that's going to stay. I think if there are, if this scenario exists where, you know, now the new scenario, I would submit a four and you would also submit a scorecard that had a four. And we, yeah. if we both submitted them somehow and the TD had a question about it and figured out which one it was, I think if it was a four, and you were right, Matt, for your score, you would get that score and we would move on, no penalties. If I was correct and you did get a five, but you submitted a four, I think you would then get a five plus a two-stroke penalty. You see what it's happening <laughs> yeah. now? I, With this discrepancy, I my score and my uh, penalty is not up for question. I think the only way you could say is, hey, he's trying to give me the wrong score and then it, it's some other kind of and violation. And it's a different disciplinary a issue. I want to say clearly, I don't think that this, if this rule went through, I know Nick gave his opinion, he thinks he's dumb. I think it's not going to be a big deal. I actually... I said, I don't mind it. It well, doesn't mean I okay, love it, so but I don't think it's going to be a big deal. One last thought is that if players are forced to do this, some will really not have a phone. That will be the case. I think it will make it harder for the TDs because you're going to have paper submitted along with it. Then they're going to have to check 
the paper Every single versus everybody else on that card. Because if that play comes in, Evan, uh, where they're like, that score is wrong, and they said they had this, like, now you get penalized. Well, only when the score is wrong, though, because if, if well, they, I'm the only one doing digital and everyone else is doing paper, yep. and I go to submit the digital and say, hey, is this good? Everyone's good. Everyone says, yeah, it's good. We move on. Nothing happens. It but, would only get questioned if a score was thought to be wrong. Like if, I don't think you ever have... It never says anything about you have to count up oh, the scores through other methods. You see what I'm saying? It just has but to if, be tracked. So that but, way, like you could go back. But it does say every player has to submit it within 30 minutes of the end of their round. Oh, shoot. You're right. Actually, yeah. that's a good call. So it does have that. to be submitted. So then someone has to review everything and compare it against every single one. And then they go, every there's an error. Scorecard. Now they have to figure out, bring the group yeah. over, which one's the error. That's going to be good, which, good question. Which will be. Too. The benefit of using PDGA Live is if, like, this happened the tournament that I was just at, we accidentally had two wrong scores for, two, like, a player. Like, you know, someone says, oh, yeah, I got a two on that hole. The other person doing scores thought that person took a three. And then right after, I was like, oh, hey, we have a scoring discrepancy. What's going on? Like, it, it tells you right then and there when yes. two numbers don't match up. So that I... is the benefit. But I, I want to – Matt, you were saying earlier you played in a tournament. The four people didn't want to keep the score – why don't you want to keep score? I'm just genuinely curious because then you said, I won't mind it when this happens. Yep. So no, I, I was saying, I don't mind the rule. Like, I don't think it's an issue that yeah. the PDGA makes it a rule. That's separate from like, if I like it or not. And I, I yeah. should have been more clear with that. I am 50, 50 on keeping track of scores. This is a great case in point that some people made. They said, I'm sick and tired and not in the chat right now, but I saw this online. I'm sick and tired of people being able to use the crutch of their mental game by not tracking their scores so that they can say, I don't have to know what my score is. Someone else can do that for me. And it's kind of like, well, Hey, that seems like an unfair advantage. You should track your own score and have to deal with it. You know? So like part of my reasoning is that I sometimes am like, dude, my mental game as good as I feel like it's become I don't love adding that extra responsibility. Like, okay, I'm responsible for pulling out the score and asking. Um, sometimes I just want to be the one to give my score. So it's a 50-50 thing for me. But in those moments, it's probably because it was a three-day tournament and I did it both rounds prior. And then Steve Dodge is that, like, who's doing it? Yeah. And I'm like, Steve, every day you've given the scorecard to me. And he's like, oh, Matt, you're so awesome. And I'm like, fine, I'll take it the third day too. And everybody else on the card is like, I don't want to do it. And I'm like, why am I the one that has to do it? So... I like that aspect of it just being not weird anymore if this rule goes through and it's just everybody does it. But I think kind of going to your situation, which it might change going into next year, um, we've always done it to where it was the top two people on the card. Like yeah. the events that I've played, A tiers, B tiers, it's always been, and this is the first round, second round, third round, fourth round, whatever, is if no one says, oh yeah, hey, I'll do it. It's always gone to, well, okay, then the two two top people have to do it. And it yeah. is what it is. Like, and that's that's 808A, which says the player listed first bears the response primary responsibility for picking up the group scorecards. That is now crossed out, and it has the new text of each player must keep independent scorecards, right. blah, blah, blah. Not yeah. blah, 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 like it's unimportant, but just... I uh, think that no, it's, it literally says blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the majority <laughs> the of people, yeah, right. the majority... Like, this is great banter back and forth. This is what is going to happen. You can provide your feedback to the PDGA. But I think if this rule went through, a large majority of people will track it on their phones. I actually think this, was ne this would never happen. Ha, ha, ha. This is a super sarcastic joke. But eventually, they might have devices they could hand out to players to track score specifically. Picture 
it's it's more detailed than this, but picture the little restaurant buzzer you used to get. Like make it really simple, right? Like some device. Yeah, but that's funny. That, yeah, that's that's a ways out exactly. They're not doing yeah. that now. Um, Here, I got I got I got one more and then we'll end it on this really quick. Yep. Matt, yeah, let's at move the on end soon. of your round, if you're not keeping score, when you check yep. the scorecard to make sure your score is correct, do you replay every single hole in your head? No, this is, this is the point. I do keep track of my score, but I don't like being uh-huh. responsible as the person okay. in the group for but, tracking scores. But you have an idea to yeah. where, like, for if me, it sounds right, if I go, I'm minus yeah. two in my head, and he goes minus two, I go, yep, I don't even replay the holes. And it could be okay. wrong, and I could get stroked. Absolutely. That's that's right there. Like, that's why I don't mind keeping score, because I know for a fact, I, I might accidentally get I'm an someone's amateur. score wrong I'm an amateur. on a hole. I might get someone's... <laughs> the beauty of PDJ lives. It tells you if like, I might not have clicked the down button enough or the up button enough, whatever. But I do like knowing that my score is correct. And it, you know, I, and I think I'm a trustworthy person and I think that I yeah. keep score pretty well. So I don't mind doing it for that specific reason. But also when I look at someone else, cause I don't keep score every single time when someone does keep score for me, I have a pretty general idea because I look at live scoring when I'm playing my round. And so I know like, okay, I know I just buried that hole that put me from two down to three down. And I keep track of that throughout the round. But at the end of it, I do go through every single hole and I'm like, yep, I took a three there. Yeah. I took a four there. Yeah. I took a nine there. Yeah. I took a one there. You know what I mean? Like I I do look at those things. I get that. I've done the one. I I went, I went nine to one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So. All right. Anyways, 20 minutes on scoring is what the chat's calling us out on. We appreciate those who stuck around to listen. Our our viewer count has gone up. Hit the like well, button. Yeah. Speaking of pace of play, that'll come up at some point. Okay. Exactly. Here we go. Anyways, this, don't, don't this rule is great. Moving obstacles. We don't need to debate this one. It we says don't. now that you can move a casual obstacle if it is further away from the lie of like than your the basket, right? So the basket line of play, your yeah. lie, as long as it is on your side, the throwing side of the lie, you can move it. Casual and obstacle. This is- indefinitely left or right like if you feel like it's in your line of play for a run-up or anything you can move it i feel like that is not gray i think it's fantastic yes agreed and that is not i know you said now that is something you cannot do that right now right that is proposed for the 2024 season do it and see who calls you on that that's what i say yep (laughs) i agree i agree don't get me wrong remember casey white at champions cup last year he's like snow angel on the ground he's like my lie is really big yeah (laughs) anyways so keep it going but yes if that changes back to the original perfect great love it yeah and i I just want to be clear on these rules i mean you i think the rules do make it clear but want to be extra clear that you cannot move anything in front of your lie so in your follow-through let's say that still has to stay uh the same and be unmoved yeah. until your lie is in front of it great call okay this yep. one's interesting um well in a, in a way they're talking about player eligibility they're making c tiers now that you need to be a member of the pdga to play a c tier um this has been shifting a little bit they did that you know b tier c tiers and then they said they created a new d- tier called d tier but i want to throw in this little extra nugget that i discovered today through social media who's been, someone's been around playing disc golf for a while, said D-tiers are not a new thing. And if you go on the PDGA and do event searching through the PDGA's website, you can filter by tiers. And if you look, there is D-tier on there. And if you go back, it's from 2004 to about 2007, there were D-tiers. And these D-tiers were considered very intro events for those who didn't want to pay even that, whatever the extra sanctioning was for the C-tiers at the time. 
So like it, they're they're writing as if it's new because it's so new in a lot of ways. It's how many years? Sixteen years later or something. But the purpose of this D tier is to take things that are I don't want to say unusual, but different. Um, how do they call it here? I think my idea is like okay, a flex start or some other special event that is not your normal, typical two-round, one-day event. They're saying D-tiers are going to be a one-round, one-day. That's a flex start. That's your leagues. That's things like that are not your normal tournament play. And normal being, again, two, two rounds, one day. I don't have an issue with this. A lot of people are balking. I'll get your feedback on the idea of like, hey, it's a cash grab. PDJ is forcing people to remember. Like, you don't have to play PDJ tournaments. Like this is their organization. This is their business. Um, that's kind of my stance on it. And if prior to this, you paid a $10 fee every time you played and weren't a member, which if you played five events or four events, you've already paid for your membership. So I don't see it as a big deal. I don't see it as limiting the sport. I think I actually see it important for the sport. Um, events for a while were so filled up. And then what about the benefits of the PDGA member? Like, I can't play a PDG event and 60 of the people were non-PDG members. It's like, anyways, that's, I have a lot more to say about it, but D tiers, I think are going to be okay. Evan or Nick, what do you think? Uh, I, I think I agree pretty similarly with you, Matt. I think my stance has followed the same. I, when I, when they first brought in the kind of the B tier rule or A2 rule, I forget how it used to be. Mm -hmm. I was like, Ooh, that seems really tough. That's going to be hard to get everyone to sign up. You're going to lose, like, you're going to lose potential people even though there's still a lot of people who do want to play but i i think i have switched around to i do think it's a good move even even flex starts that i play now i look through the the registration and i over 90 percent of people are members i don't think it's necessarily pushing people to be members but it's pushing the organization of it uh, so i think this new tier of d tiers is also really good uh, assuming that it's the, the same historical version you're getting at, I mm -hmm. think there needs to be more events that are are just one round, really, really cheap entry. I think mm -hmm. I, I I love like a a five to ten to fifteen dollar tournament where it's just like, hey, let's like learn how a tournament a uh, disc golf tournament is organized, and that's all it is. You just go and you play with people, and it's essentially what a league is, but a little bit more structured, one day event. You can kind of be a little bit more learning day. I mean, uh, especially like you have like women or junior only events where there's a lot of non-members who want to play. So I think this is a perfect way to do that. So I would love if this change also goes with a huge push to have more of these new D tier type mm -hmm. tournaments. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. I joked earlier on D tier. Some are going to say it deters. <laughs> I'm like, that's a different way to pronounce it. I don't think it does. Nick, any, any reaction to D tier? Are you going to be hitting up the D tier tour? Well, say that three times. I mean, fast. Look, if I have time to play a flex start tournament, I will happily play a flex start tournament. I've gotten to a point where I I just like playing disc golf, um, and I like to <laughs> finally, no. win, finally you know? got to and a so, point. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. I I think for me personally, it's if you're playing a flex start, like Evan just said, so you kind of get the feel of what a tournament's like. And I'm just curious, like, what else are you playing a flex start for? If you're not a PDJ member, you're not playing for a rating. And you just want to put yourself against other competitors. Yeah. But my point was, you don't need a PDGA event to do that. Let the PDGA players do that. I don't know if you guys know this answer, but if I'm playing a D tier tournament or just a C tier flex start, whatever, and I'm not a member of the PDGA and I win that as a pro, I can accept cash still, right? Like I get mm -hmm. the cash from the tournament. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, I so, so I guess realistically, if you want to play in the pro division for it, then you can still in D tier, in a D tier, but yeah, in a D tier, yeah. Um, I know. Look, all D tiers do is now I'll have to go to Discraft and say, "Hey, what's my bonus for potentially winning a D tier?" You know, that's, <laughs> that's the only thing that it does for me. To be honest, is okay. You know, I I gotta try to renegotiate my contract now. That's funny. All right, moving on. And intern Ben's here, so we're gonna bring him Hi. In on this one. Yeah. <clears throat> This 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 rule we're jumping over some of them. You're gonna check it all out. I'm not reading you the whole book tonight, but pace of play. Uh, it says the addition codifies the concept of putting a group cl- quote on the clock. This defines what they're gonna define what being on the clock means, and ultimately what it means is Ben. And I want your opinion. Okay, is that somebody has either made a warning or an official has observed that things are taking longer. And we've seen this last year, right? That actually came up. Jeff Spring went and talked to tour group. I think it was at the, wasn't it the chase card at the pro tour finale two years ago? Or maybe it was even last year, but he went up to Gannon Burr's card and he, and someone else. And he was like, Hey, you guys, your pace is like, whatever we're gonna call you kind of a thing anyways this has happened but there's no official rule for it ben yep this rule now says that an official can come up and say you're on the clock and ultimately that means they're timing every player on that card and they're watching until they feel like it's been restored to a good pace then they'll say you're off the clock does it sound like a good rule to you I th- I think it sounds like a fine rule. I don't think it's ever going to be enforced. Um, you know, the 30-second rule is never enforced other than Nicola Castro last year. That's the only time I've pretty much ever seen it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think um, it's it's a fine rule, but what's taking too long? Like, you know, if you're playing hole 12 Northwoods Black, it's going to be a lot longer than playing hole 1 Reds at Maple Hill. So it's like... So pace of play, pace of play usually is monitored by keeping up with the group in front of you. Okay. It's not necessarily by staying ahead so it's of not the group like behind time. you. It's not time. Right. Okay. However, if there's something that is causing you to delay a little bit more, there's rules in here you're going to want to read. But if it is, as long as the group behind you is not catching up, they're probably not going to push you too hard. But the goal is usually to keep pace with so the group in front. This of is you. more for I, I I take this rule more for like pro tour where there's like mm-hmm. six backups on yep. a hole. I it's don't think this level. is gonna yep. gonna affect AMS. I think it's Good gonna take. be, uh, yeah, pro tour. You know that we see backups all the time where it's like four backups because they're the pros. They're gonna take a while. They want to get their best shots, but. Um, yeah, that, that's the only time where I see it might be. Enforced. And you mentioned Nico, and I'll pass this over to Nick and Evan. But you mentioned Nico, so I'll bring it up. Yeah. He's got a lot going on tonight, by the way. Shout just, out to Nico. Just shout out to Nico. He's got a lot going on. That's an inside joke, guys. He was supposed to be on the show tonight. Anyways, that's We'll get all. him on. Yeah, that's all. Soon. Okay. Um, now I'm stumped. Oh, they actually went up to Nico's group. Chandler Kramer on there as well. At last year's European Open. And they more or less told them they're on the clock, but without this rule being official. They did one of these like, Hey, I'm here now to help monitor this. And then that all happened before Nico got called on it officially, officially on live okay. coverage. So like that actually did happen. Yeah. But it wasn't a rule at that point. So it's kind of weird. It's kind of just a gray area. But what do you think, Evan or Nick, about this? Is this good for Pro Tour only mainly? Uh, I mean, it's a rule for all like it's a PDGA rule. So it is a rule for all things. It doesn't specifically designate major and elite series. I do see it. Um 
mainly being uh, known to be used on the uh, pro tour uh, level. But I, I could see like if I'm playing a local B tier and let's say I play with someone who was taking a long time and maybe I gave them a warning or something in round one. And then in round two, they're on my card again. And maybe, you know, you just like tell the TD or something like, Hey, this guy's been really slow. Like if we do fall behind, like just like giving them a notification about potentially having a, um, someone come watch. Cause at a normal tournament, they're going to be at the, uh, tent and things are kind of beginning rotating around and things will generally be good. But, uh, if something's brought up, I could see this coming into play and it's just a way that if it does happen, you can deal with it in an uh, easier manner from an official. Uh, so I think it is a little bit more of a rare occurrence at that level. Uh, and I think we'll see it a lot more at the pro level, but I still think it is a good rule to have for all PDGA, uh, tiers and levels yeah and i was just looking a whole group can receive time violation like the whole group okay it sounds to me like and i don't know why my parents weren't quite like this but some parents were growing up like you're all getting disciplined right like i don't <laughs> i don't care who did it like you're all getting you're like come on i can just imagine myself in the group i'm like i was trying to tell them to speed up like it wasn't me but no you're getting it too so i think I'm exaggerating how it's going to be, but I think having a rule in place is important for the times when you need it. I don't think it's going to be a regularly reoccurring thing. All right, Nick, what do you got? Uh, I mean, realistically, I'm sorry, I've kind of been chatting. No, just chat like right now, the group. Is it nice to be able to have a group on the clock if, if there was a pace issue? I mean, I heard this last weekend, it was Gannon Burr and someone else, and yeah. they're like, holy cow, this is taking 40 minutes through the first two holes or something. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I, I think everyone can agree, especially in the viewer aspect of watching the Disc Golf Network is we're there to watch Disc Golf. We're not there to watch someone take two minutes to throw a shot or a minute and 30 seconds. And the YouTube chat screams about it when people are taking forever. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, yeah, I would say that that's definitely beneficial. I, I'm curious to see what it'll be like at the lower tournaments where we don't have marshals. We have a TD, we have an assistant TD, and then we have the players on the card. That's realistically all you have to be the marshals on the course. Um, I'll say this. I hate slow pace, um, especially when it doesn't feel necessary. And I hate range finders because I think that's a huge part of it. And I hate carts because I also think that's a huge part of it. And those are just two <laughs> things that I think slow down so much in disc golf that you know, it is what it is, but they're both allowed right now. And I can't complain about it. If you're within your 30 second parameter, then great. If you're not, then after a few times, I, I will say speed it up. And I have clocked people before because it, I hate feeling like my card is the one backing up the card behind me, or I hate being backed up by the card in front of me. And it's just, we all got to do it. Yep. So, but yeah, people bushnelling 36 footers to make sure they're inside or outside the circle or not. Or the thing the thing about carts is if you're on a wooded course with a cart, you don't bring that cart into the thick of the woods. So they leave it on the fairway and then they walk and they look at their lie and then they assess what they're going to yep. do. And then they walk back yep. to their car and then they grab three discs and then they go back to the lie. They, they toss two down with those three discs. Then they pick and one back golly, up. Golly, it is incredible infuriating to me all right moving so, on from infuriating anyways, yeah. because this would happen in a pro division someday and they've uh, they're proposing to eliminate this moving on here to majors um and elites i believe is what i'm talking about majors and yeah an elite series you must have a minimum rating of 935 at the time of registration and i think that is more than fair yeah for mpo only 
that is more than fair. I mean, I have no place playing an elite or major besides the fun of trying not to place last. And like, if you go much lower than that, and depending where you start in the round, it's not fair to everybody else to have to play with my skill level as like average amateur. I am. It's not fair to do on the pro level. And I think we need that's That's a fair rule. So, um, yep. There was another rule that's probably boring for everybody else, but I thought was really interesting. Uh, I don't know. I'll leave it to myself, but then people will wonder what it is. There was a rule I brought up at Junior Worlds after the player meeting. Of course, leave it to me to do that. But I had had a question the previous year, and it's going to be hard to explain here. But and you know how you can, um, if you go OB, you have the ability to move back on the line of play as far as you would like, right? I mean, yep. that's summarizing it. What happens when the line of play, you don't, you can't move back further because it is an OB line. So the OB line you'd have to imagine is at a angle, like a significant angle, and you are OB on it. I don't know how to explain it except to say that if moving your lie back into OB again, what do you do, right? So they've made a rule now that allows you to move back on, I forget how they word it here, and I was trying to find it again. They Essentially, they allow you to move back on whatever the playing field is. It, it, so I'm going to have to look into this further, but more or less, you could continue back on that OB line. Even if it's going diagonal into the right Even if it's right going diagonal, yes, because you can't move backwards further into OB. So I think that's accurate, and that only came up because there's poison ivy and stinging nettles, and the way this OB played on one hole at Junior Worlds, I was like, you can't move. You're, they said at this point, before the rule was in play, they said you either abandon your lie, or you play in the stinging nettle and poison ivy. That was what we were told. So I think this rule helps satisfy that. Anyways, that was a that was a fair. I mean, that was a a bonus rule for you. So any other rule that I missed that you think would be fun to bring up right now? There's there's quite a few of them, but any yeah, others, I Nick, want, Evan? I want to I want to bring up one that was a little bit of a hot topic recently because uh, there is a certain uh, A tier level event that was not wanting to offer FPO because I I believe Natalie Ryan was interested or to pretty much stop her from playing because. Um, again, there's different sets of rules for majors and elite series or A tiers and below. Uh, so there is a, a rule consideration to make uh, A tiers. You, if you have MPO, you need to have FPO. Or if you're a, a pro tournament, you need to have both MPO and FPO. If you're an AM tournament, you need to have both MA1 and FA1. Uh, and it goes down to say like pro AMs need to have all four of those I just listed. Masters only needs to have... Um, the 40 division for both male and uh or mixed and female for both pro and am uh and then uh so i just you have a little bit more requirements you need to offer the highest level at that um classification for uh an a tier and i think that's a good a good move in general it's a, a situation you don't want to run into often um luckily we don't have a lot of cases if many at all uh that deal with a tournament being hey i want to be you know a men's only tournament it's mpo or nothing if you're an a tier you you have to uh provide both and i think that's a good move sure I realize for our listening audience, uh, this may be one of the more important, but the, the interviews are great. We gave you that on the front side. If you're here now, we're going to still try to talk out the last 10 minutes of more interesting things, but 
Um, you sh- Look, I'm just curious if the PDGA can paint OB lines during the middle of a major. I'm just curious if that's changed. It talks about the, 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 it talks about OB lines and stuff in here, but it's differences between hazard and OB. If that spans that difference, so it goes yeah. from hazard to OB. Like what side is out of bounds? It's all in here. There's Look, a, I'm, quite I'm just a few curious pages. if they can change the course and this is how many days in advance do they need to have it. This is the ah. saltiest that Nick's been in a long time. This, the cards, the range finders, the pace of play. Good. <laughs> this dude uh, i'm just my man some sour today. milk rough in your today. cereal i played mechanic all day today and i hate playing mechanic so i'm just in a foul hey. mood <laughs> this is nick's theme song apparently i guess so oh that's funny so anyways you got to show up to your tea times at least five minutes before if you don't you could i think it's suspension from the round or whatever so like there's a lot of rules it's a go check them out go check them out um, reminder of the 48 hour giveaway. If you've made it this far, we're pretty much starting or we, I already told you we we're starting, but I wasn't looking, so it's not quite fair, but we'll, we'll lump everybody in, but it's kind of too late. Cause the way this works is when I look at a certain hour in the next 48 hours, that's when somebody wins it again. Um, what was the name? I want to, I want to pull it up. It was Alan shorter reminder, reach out to us. Um, and then the massive giveaway. We're so close, guys. And we're going to hit it either way this year. But we want to do this giveaway for MVP Open. It is a massive package, including the FPO division is back at this event. It's fantastic value. Again, $2,200 value. You will not miss out on anything. You got to be a subscriber of the show. Tag us. We're really close. So tag us in your social media. Let us know that you're interested in the giveaway. And we're, we're watching. We're observing. We're taking notes. Who are these people? And uh, you'll win a massive package. Okay. Yeah. Wow. What else is there to wrap out the show with? We don't have a stat game tonight. Ledge we got stone insurance. Picks. We got to make some picks. No right. insurance, just Ledgestone. As of 2022. Uh, the tournament, that is. Obviously, okay, we're still well, Ledgestone. Okay, well, the insurance called Ledgestone Insurance. Boring. So I'll call it what I want. But- we all a shop Ledgestone, like their their disc their disc yeah. golf side is its own brand it's now. It's just Ledgestone. So, so they're just Ledgestone. Right. The tournament. You're right, Evan. You know what? You're Ledgestone. right. I, I won't be salty I'm right about a Ledgestone lot of the time, Nick. Name. Believe it or not, I can yeah. be wrong. That's not to say I'm 100 percent right. Just <laughs> we we won't talk about how uh, Satter Fiction came to be uh, came when it came to Ledgestone. Ledgestone actually, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm not. We won't here talk to about that though. Anyone under the bus, but I am gonna joke with with Steve. Uh, he was like, I'm getting this. Something's funky with this query. He sends it over to me. Uh, he's like, it says someone won a ton of money at Ledgestone. And I'm like, dude, that's the same mistake I yeah. made. <laughs> so uh, yeah. good for him. He reviewed it before and knew that something was off. Unlike me, who just was like, hey, Paul McBeth, here's a stat about you. And it's yeah. wildly wrong. Hey, really quick, before we get into Ledgestone picks, I actually do want to shout out DG Maxwax really quick. I actually just got my package today. And I'm super what does it smell like? This- I don't know. I haven't opened it Send up yet. It's funny because it says Evan Current Stat Mando on mine. What? And I so, told you. Yeah. So it says Evan Current Stat Mando. And so my buddy Chase was like, I'm assuming this is for you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. And <laughs> oh, uh, Did you anyway, it, so Evan? I'm actually. No, I, I, I told you my tracking code. Uh, when I saw it, it was like, it got delivered to good Virginia. Yeah. And I'm right, like, yeah. oh, did I get mixed? Oh, whoa. Telling people where I live. Jeez. My gosh. Well, you've been saying tell everyone episode. that you live in Keene. Good. Oh, my goodness. Good. If only PDGA didn't ex- yeah. uh, explain where you. Well, right, mine says, Mike says Paxton, Massachusetts. Ready? 
Oh shoot, we say good yeah. all the time. I don't think I know. I'm, I'm totally okay. ready. Cool. This is I just easy. want to cover my base. I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your minds here. You ready? Wait, actually, let's do some music before we get into. Uh, here we go. This is the Discraft Leadstone Open Picks. Nick and Matt show. Okay, you ready for this? Blow your minds. Calvin Heimberg, everybody. I am picking him. And so far, that's not blowing my mind. Yes, but after last week's take, I'm saying that I think there's going to be a shift because I feel like he needed a shift and he needs a shift. There's He's a great player. We all know that my take is the best player to not win as much as he should. This is the shift. This is the event. I know he's played well. He can do it. This is the one. Um, Paul McBeth's out. Uh, Ricky Wysocki's a great player, but I'm picking Calvin. It's either Calvin or some dark horse, and we should do another pick who can play highest up above their average. That'd be fun. But Calvin yeah. Heimberg, and um, let's go MPO. Let's go MPO. So who else got something here? I'm going to go with the name you also mentioned. I'm going to go Ricky, 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 Ricky uh, Wysocki. Darn it. You can pick him too, Ben. No. We can hold the hands and skip to the finish line in our tandem bucket hats. Go, go full screen right, on you for I got a second. On ben. me? Yeah, I just want to see where he's at. Uh, he's on yeah, the beach. bucket hat with headphones is a bold choice, dude. At the beach, in a sweet office. Evan, you location. wish you could pull this off, bro. I wish I could too, man. Ben, your style is out of this world. Like, there's, I don't know many people who and, can rock your consistent style. Peep this. It, Okay, Don't calm. know what that is. Kirk, Kirk, Kirksville College of Osteopathic Medicine. Wow. KCOM. Alumni, baby. All right. Back to Nick. What was Thrift your pick, Nick? pick um, Nick? Let's see. We haven't talked about him much lately because he wasn't at the Euro Swing, but Simon freaking Lazat is playing this event, and I got my boy Simon taking it down. I feel like he is just full-on refreshed on life, rejuvenated, and he's itching for that number two <laughs> win this year. So Simon... Frickin' Lazard is my pick. Shout out to uh, MC Hip Chase because he said Simon playing, and I knew that, but I wanted to shout about it anyways. Quick, quick break. His kid is so cute. Just so watching cute. like what he puts out on social media, like yeah. he's walking and doing all this stuff now. Like, yeah. oh man, let's go, Emmett. You're killing Dude, it. He's Live so life. cute. Simon plays a guitar awesome. for him, and he goes like, he dances. He says, no way. Yeah, okay, he's so I need cute. To, I need to yeah. see that right away. Yeah, maybe he'll post a video one day. Uh, Ben, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna go Ricky, 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 Ricky Wasaki, <laughs> but I can't. I can't. Do it with me. Do no, it with no, me. No, 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 no. Steve Falco wouldn't like that. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Paul Matty McBeth. O. Paul McBeth. <laughs> Stop it. He's ben. not, He's even not playing. playing. Oh, um, I'm gonna go. Um, well, yeah. Well, the Ricky Wasaki gave me a curveball. I don't know. I guess I'm gonna go go Maddie O and call it a day. We know. Okay, fine. I will coming. go Maddie O. He's a. Do you he, remember he was in it last year, right? He's a Woods Warrior. And then, uh, yeah. Oh, have we, no, we haven't picked FPO, but yeah, for MPO, Maddie O. All right. FPO. Do you want me to leave Damn, no one, no one to pick Corey Ellis coming off a major win. <sighs> No recency buy inside of this group. Dude, there's nothing. Uh, Corey's wrong, actually, yeah. I think, a great pick. But I think mm. the reason I didn't pick Corey, and I want to explain this to the chat, is he said he didn't like Northwood Black <laughs> all right. that much. He and did. I think that plays a huge part 
in the success people have at tournaments. I think it's kind Great of one point. of those things where when you're missing lines, you're like, damn, I'm missing lines on literally one of the hardest courses. It gets to you. You're um, right. You have to force yourself to like the course. Let's watch how Aaron exactly. Gossage does at Maple Hill this year. Let's just watch. Yep. And I got to be the stickler of the crew because I, I always you am. You always are. Yep. It's Northwood Black. Uh, no S. Singular. Look, one I'll course. call it what I want, Evan. It's not Maples Hill. Yeah. Evan, you just debate people for no reason. But it's not Clement it, Farms. It is it's not Borderlands. Notch. Yes. Yes. It's so. not Muggler's Notch. Evan was roasting us because we did the Dizzy Bat wrong. Like he, It was like the biggest oh. thing pressing on his mind. Okay. Like, I'm, not, I'm not. I was. I know I didn't join in that conversation, but I was 100% on board with what Evan was saying. Okay, okay. Anyways, uh, really quick. No, no, Ben, we'll talk about it afterwards. FPO picks. Follow social media. You can see intern Ben and myself doing weird real stuff. We'll come out with more soon. Okay. So, FPO picks. Kristen Tatar, no Paige Pierce, uh, but I think everyone else. I am going. Natalie Ryan, because this is United Series. I'm putting my money where my... I'm not my money. I'm putting my mouth where my pick is or whatever they say. I told Haley King she would be the next thing. Like, not this year. I didn't say this year. And I am hesitant because I... I'm doing this more out of like a hope-filled pick. It's there. Is she going to show it off? Haley King. That's my pick for FPO. And obviously there's a five or six or 10 I could pick out of here, but I'm going Haley King. I like that pick. Okay. Calvin and Haley. Let's see. All right. I'm going Simon Lazat and Katrina Allen. Okay. Sunset Hills. Uh, she is going to be training in circle my... two putts all day. And she fillets wood shots. Dude, I played Sunset Hills this year, by the way. Chick-fil-A. I am stoked that Sunset Hills is back. I'm glad we came to the United Series and that we're seeing FPO at uh, Ledgestone because I'm stoked for this course. You know, I'm tempted to go Hall and Handley because of the Halbatross, but I'm going to stick with recency bias and FPO. I'm going own Scaggins. Big time. Missy Gannon won this by six strokes last year. Uh, we can't forget that, but it kind of was blown out the last few holes or last half. Uh, I'm going on Scoggins. Uh, right. She can win anywhere, uh, yeah. especially with Kristen Star not in here because that would be the easiest pick in the world if she was. Oh, yeah, man. Big money Missy. I was Big just gonna, money yeah. Missy. Yeah, Owen Scoggins needs a good name. I don't... Is, oh, she's got to have a good name. Slogging Scoggin. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a good Goodness. one. No. Um, but I did get Slay to play. Own. I did get to play Sunset Hills this year, guys, out at Junior Worlds. It was a practice round, and that was really cool. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It was really cool. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's a fantastic course for them. So, are we going to do as our wrap up here? Above average player. It's kind of a shot in the dark as it is. Wait, I didn't get let's my pick. Go. Oh, go then. Pick it. Okay, no, I was... <laughs> sorry. We ruined Ben's picks all the time. Ben, here is your stage. Make your pick. It's Go gonna be awesome. Screen. Give yourself the sh- the show. Can you give me sad music? Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's coming, um, guys. Everyone makes fun of me on this show. I can't catch a break wherever I go. Okay, I let's don't make a know. pick. It's so slow. <laughs> what am I gonna choose? I got the blues. <laughs> it's clear to me that it's big money, Missy. 
There you, you go. Big money, Missy. Uh, uh, you gotta Beautiful. work on the ending, but that was that was great, Ben. Well, I, I enjoyed music it. Cut off. Just cut uh, off. All right. So big money, Missy. That that's a good pick. All right. Um, Evan, you're gonna pick Paige Shoe as your highest above average. <laughs> hey, man. I think she's pretty good. Maybe not top five, but she could definitely finish well here. A top five in the world overall in ranking. She could finish top five this, uh, event. But uh, let's start with MPO because I already have it in mind and I still have to pick FPO for our. Uh, okay. what, do we have an official name for this game? No. Just what did we best say? Above average? Yeah, I forget what we called it. Well, I'll have to have a cool name for that. That's what the chat comes in. Uh, until we have the cool name for it, I will pick Casey White. I just, I'm feeling Ooh. it. Refresh from Finland. It's not been the best season for Casey. So that's good for me. Um, you know, I say that with uh, love and hope for this tournament. I don't know how he's done in the, uh, here at the past, but I feel like it kind of suits well for him. That's just a gut feeling. So I'm going KC. Let's go around because I still have to work on FBO. <clears throat> Dang, this is hard to pick this one. I want to say like Lisa Fakus or Holly Finley. Uh, so I'm kind of on the spot here. Hannah Wynn, all these players that have the chance. Sarah Hokum, I picked her at European Open. She did it right for You're me. You're going straight to FBO? Yeah. Did for, you do MPO? No, I'm just doing, yeah, I did. I'm just picking FBO. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Holly Finley. I don't even know okay. what her average is. So it's, it's kind of fair. I don't know. I'm just picking a player I think is going to do better than they usually do. Holly Finley. Um, you can do whatever you want. I also have to give MPO. Oh, this is tough. Greg Barsby. Uh, my, I'm giving both. Uh, Greg I'll Barsby say, and Holly oh, Finley. Go. Done. Good pick. Great okay. pick. Good pick. Um, I'll say for FPO, it's going to be Alexis Mandahano. She's going to have another stellar tournament this week. Back to back. And let's see. Dude, Greg Barsby. I'm so clutch with that one, I think. I <laughs> remember last year. Wasn't I he like lead card pick. round, like the last, second to last round or something? Last round. He was... He did good Dang, in Northwood. He was this a Texas State. This one is tough. This is tough because like I'm doing a, a few research yeah. bits, and like a lot of these players have better average finishings than you would expect. Yeah. Like you're like, I haven't heard him a lot. And then you look him All up right. and you're like, I got one. I got one. Yeah. That's yeah. Holly Finley, right. probably. I yeah. said Alexis Mandahano and Austin Hannum. Oh, that is a good Those one. Those are my two picks. Austin Hannum. Right. Those are my two picks. Right. As I'm kind of doing last minute stuff with which Ben, if you're ready to go, you can go too. Oh, but yes. are we weren't gonna skip me. Are we cool. if, are we official? Well, I still have to do FPO, so I was I was gonna either you go before me or after. Uh but are we officially doing elite and major average finish for the season? I think it's all we, silver, silver and above. Yeah, all silver, silver and above. above. Yeah, all right, cool. I'll above. put that together, Matt, so it won't have to that be way, on you. Okay. And we'll make it uh nice and fancy and automatic. So um with that, I I got this down. I know who I'm picking. I'm going Diesel D D and Carry. Diesel D D and that's what people call her. Actually, is that your why. nickname for her, or people no, actually call? I've never I've heard, heard people, that. I've Diesel heard people D. call her that. I like that. So I don't know why. I couldn't tell you anything about it, uh, but I've heard it before, and got to continue it on and pretend like I know what I'm doing. Nice. All right, Ben. For my. Oh, uh, yo! For my MPO pick, he's. I don't know what rhymes with it, but I'm going with Silas Schultz. Oh, yeah, he's the average. best. Um, and for my FEO, oh, uh, I forgot this music kind of <laughs> confused me. Oh yeah, oh yeah. My pick for MPO, I'm feeling her strongly. Um, it's gonna go Stacy Ronsley. 
Yo, I almost picked her, actually. I think that's uh, a great hit. Thank yeah. you. That's the, it. First, yeah. the first song was definitely better than this one, but I, I appreciate it. Schultz? Like John Smoltz? Ooh, good throwback. Uh... No, I think I think it was I think it was good. It adds something to the show. But I'm just saying, if I'm being critical of your music, because you are a musician on Spotify with millions of views, thank you. Uh, I like the first song better. No, me too. Nice. We'll the have sad to, one. Yeah, we'll have to keep coming back and uh, make him making these these songs. See we'll see what's the best. <sighs> All right. Wow. What a show. <laughs> <laughs> um. Those picks really wiped you out, dude. You know how last year, what was it, last week or the week before, we did like a super long show. We were talking about like just Ben's gameplay. Then you, me, and Ben went out and did a flex start. Ben beat both of us. Hey, he putted well. Yep. He had a couple misses, but like he had yeah, good comebacks to this. Does. It does. Nick, right? Nick changed my oh life. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Just He's got a ways to go, putting. and keeping track oh. of it is great. I got a ways to go, but I played I played with Pyramids Flex, and I could have been like plus five, but I was hitting thirty footers like it was nothing. Yep. It felt great. Man, speaking of that round, I got to tell one quick story. We Dude. were uh, Matt and I have both had great drives. You know, a hole that's birdieable, a little tough. It's a hole nine at Cogsall. Uh, oh we're both goodness. we're both hole like. Nine. 45 to 50 feet away. I was six, we were 60, dude. We were, I walked it off. Uh, I don't know. If, okay, maybe. Uh, but it was downhill, so it's like you don't need as much power, but, you know, it goes downhill, so it's a death putt after. Uh, we're, you know, kind of watching the other shots go from Ben and the other card mate, which shout out to him. He's a fan of the show. What? Not Rob, Richard. Richard. Rich. Richard, yeah. Uh, he was fun to play with. Um, but Ben's, uh, Matt, Matt, like, walks it off. He's set on. He's like, I'm running it. And I'm like, dang it, I'm like a foot closer than Matt. So same distance, but I go second uh, between us. Matt cashes it perfectly. And Matt's a way better putter than me. But I step up to it and I'm like, it's a flex start. Like, I'm not here to play my own game. I'm Good here to play you. against Matt. And, and I'm like, you? I'm going to go for this. Cha-ching. I right height was like wide by like a good foot or so. Yeah. It wasn't terrible, uh, but and it you wasn't missed the comebacker. Don't forget go that. long. I missed the comebacker. I was <laughs> not going to forget that. I was going to mention it to everyone here. A good old three putt. I was closest, but not like you know, braggable uh, closest. That yeah. is a good story, mainly because I oh. hit my putt in your story. That was good, but that yeah, that is big putted. Yep. So what's crazy? Should have done the Evan Kearns uh, dump and run. <laughs> and I, if it wasn't, if it wasn't a uh, PDGA sanctioned round, I a hundred percent would have, it, that yeah. was the, that's yeah. the scenario for the dump and run. Yeah. 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 So but if we're talking facts. about good putts and good shots, Oh man, that one on uh 15, which now, explaining this will make no sense, but just the earliest release I had on a huge forehand missed all the trees off the fairway, yeah, got in circle for a awesome oh, birdie luck insane. and missed my putt. So, so I had Ben's putting uh, yeah. yips, not putting yips, but just, Bad missed ones See, guys, you, want, you know listeners practice your putts men and women of all ages nick and masha we have fun out there too we just yuck it up and then we go out there and we're just about to start and fans of the show shout out to all of them they'll come up and they go the real question is is intern ben gonna beat you today and i'm like dang it we're starting out like, someone actually that asked that? the real yeah, question walked up hey i want a different I card throw this before out. we went off I didn't know that. that was like their question i was like yep yeah, I yeah. and i did and you he did. found my he, Remember, he found my disc, and I went back to him, and he was like, so who won? And I was like, 
I was like Ben. Ben held Matt off. He, he almost blew up on seventeen. Yeah. Would you get like a double or I triple double bogey, bogey there? Hit, minus hit two a tree. And I double Had I not even oh. bogeyed that hole, I would have tied you. It's stupid. You doubled. Okay. And I okay. Last story here. We're uh, Cogsall is a, a wooded course. We're on one of the wooded holes. Tight That's line. Uh, hole fourteen for people who know the course. Uh, Ben's like halfway up, a little bit off the fairway, which again is like a, a road or less. Uh, barely off with all these kind of fern plant trees that are up to your waist. Ben's like lining up his line for like a full minute. You know, like we should have had an official come over and watch us. He gets it set. He finds his line, goes in his backswing, nails the bush right in front of him. Oh. It just goes like 11 feet. Yeah, uh, that was... And he has to throw right away that's one of those moments i literally said like this is the worst thing in disc golf ever when you when you're like you don't even think of something like a tree or anything and you just throw it and it nicks the thing you don't even look at and you're like how did that just happen you did the classic like throw your hand down so hard like slap yourself you're like because ah. I, like, I just felt so dumb i literally threw into the bush because i didn't see the bush but like literally is obstructing Nick, your lie like you he had did to that, step in take here. your time look at your lie take, and then he throws like it hits a bush one foot in front of him yeah. just trickles through because i didn't see it, it it's, a, it's like i was too locked in on my shot yeah. that i didn't even see nick the move back bush. bro we have so much fun on these so courses I, well i was just about to say and i want to shoot this out to the chat mm, and right. the post audio listeners comment on youtube is i'll be back home in about three weeks i think um right up to, to massachusetts and we're gonna film okay some awesome videos and we want to know what do you guys want to see from the nick and matt show in the videos that we film casual rounds fun rounds razz rounds just razzing, you guys yeah, want razz just razz. let us know what you want but anyways everybody thank you for tuning in on this wonderful monday night it's been an absolute pleasure for 150 episodes we've been able to do all of this we actually released a special episode last tuesday matt and i and chris clark from discgolf.law if you want to hear our thoughts on the united series united series um go check that out it's from last tuesday that's episode 149 but once again thank you all for 150 awesome episodes evan and ben have been the most pleasurable great additions that we have made to the show and we appreciate all you i say it every single week but i love you guys i love doing this show it is a very 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 fun time so thank you for tuning in don't forget to subscribe please subscribe to the channel get a chance to win this awesome giveaway that we are doing once we hit the 10,000 subscribers we are going to launch it so once again check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms subscribe like the channel tell someone you love them this week we'll catch you in the next one that's right hey evan and i will be at a i think it's a b tier a weekend of disc golf at westy acres in Mass. wow yeah let's go different division can i say something real quick i just released a video first one the ace wins 500 dollars featuring big germ please go watch it that's all if you didn't know, intern Ben is growing up and he has his own YouTube. He runs expos. He has a YouTube channel. He doesn't need us. He does this for the charity of it. Go, go over to his channel. I think it's Ben Kenny's. Yeah, my name. Yeah. Ben, ben Kenny. Ben Kenny. Ben Kenny on YouTube. Yes. Or at Benjamin Kenny. Or Instagram Ben Kenny's. But you can find he's doing cool stuff. He's giving away lots of money. Big germ showed up at the last one. Check it out. Super cool. Until next time, everyone. Intern Ben, you're awesome. Nick, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Peace out, everybody. Peace. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. 
Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.